in the bayou. You must fight to survive. And sometimes against your own family. That's right. For the very first time ever, I watched Eve's Bayou. Woohoo! so very bad Could have known that when chosen would make you so very sad I don't know what to do What is up, everybody? Welcome to Claire Tented Classics, the show where I, your host, Jake Ryan Baker, watch classic movies for the very first time and give my nostalgia-free opinions on them. And today is a special episode. We're doing like an actual, real, I haven't seen the movie. It's a it's a classic, I think. Uh, it won some awards, so I think it super qualifies. Uh, but we also, oh, that's the thing I always forget. I, I, every time you're on, I have that thing where I'm like, I can't remember how I introduced you on the show. Do I do full name? You could. Uh, uh, or do I just... What, what makes you feel good? <laughs> no, I, what, it's about what you want. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, full name, Stefani. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was just always... Because I think we have this discussion every single time. Where it's like because when we were in college, there was all this hoo ha about like your real name and stuff, and so I have you like slotted in my head as like, wait, does he want his full name out there, or is that like his real last name? I can never remember. <laughs> but yeah, Stefan's back on the show, guys. Uh, Welcome back. Um, it's so nice to have you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh man, well I cut all of this out. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> just keep keep uh, start the episode by me showing my ass. But yeah, no, it's so great to have you back on the show. If people haven't, you've been on, this is your third time now? Yes, or, third time. Um, so your track record thus far was, you were, you were coming in with like the really old movies. Like, I don't right. think we'd done anything right. past the 60s on this show. And then all of a sudden you, you throw me a curveball with this one, which I had never heard of it. When you said like Eve's Bayou, I genuinely expected to see some black and white like movie from the forties that I'd never heard of. And all of a sudden I see Sam Jackson and I'm like, Whoa, Whoa, what is, what is this movie? <laughs> it's funny. Cause it's set in the sixties. So you still got a little bit of the flavor there. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I, I just, I have to ask like why Eve's Bayou? Why are you, cause this was a recommendation from you. Yeah. Um, this is a movie I saw when it came out, when I was a child, my memory of it as a child is a way different than when I rewatched it as an adult. Um, I picked the movie just because there was a Criterion sale. Um, it was $5. Mm. And I was like, you know what? This would be a good movie to actually do a podcast on because there's been a little bit of a resurgence in, since the pandemic on TikTok about certain themes of the movie. And I think it's just a good discussion. Sure, yeah. I, I think this movie does have a lot of like really deep, interesting themes going on in it, which I'm sure we'll, we'll dive into. But I, I am curious. So had you rewatched it recently or is this a movie you've watched your entire life or you're saying, cause you said when you saw it as a kid versus 
how you see it now. Like what, like how many times have you seen this movie? Maybe four or five. Four or five. Okay. And I mean, you don't have to show your hand. We can always like be coy about how much you like the movie till the end. If you, if you want to play it close to the vest, but I mean, obviously if you've watched a few times, you must have some sort of affinity for it. I I would imagine. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's a perfect movie, but I think there is a lot that it does. Right. And I think, there's a lot that other films can take from it. Are you, uh, I mean, what, uh, so were you, were you really young when you first saw this? This would be a really interesting movie to see young because I mean, essentially the movie is, and if you guys haven't heard of this movie, I guess like I had never heard of this movie, but the movie essentially our, our POV character is like a 10 year old girl and we're sort of seeing the world through her eyes. So the, but the, the themes are very adult. So this is like a weird mixture, I think for a kid where your POV character is someone you could relate to, but the themes are very uh, intense, I would say. <laughs> yeah, because I think um, Journey Smollett, who plays Eve, she's like two years older than me, so okay, really young. So again, it like you said, it's a a kid is the star of the movie essentially, but it's very adult. <laughs> it's, I would not say it's a kids movie. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean there's some man, there's some shit in this movie. I, I when I read about. Uh, I was, you know, reading up on just because the talent behind the movie was were people I was not incredibly familiar with, and I'm sure there's a whole thing. It's the the writer director of the movie. Uh, hopefully, I'm saying is it just Cassie? I've heard Cassie and Casey. Casey uh, Lemons. She was like a, an actor mm-hmm. who I I, I kind of wanted to look her up because apparently she's in Candyman and Silence of the Lambs, which are both great movies and i'm like oh she's in those movies that's kind of yeah. crazy i don't fully remember who she is in those whether she's like a big part or just kind of in them or uh <laughs> she's a smaller part um and she's also in the movie um the five heartbeats i don't know if you ever heard of that i actually have heard of that one <laughs> yeah she, uh, she has a role in that um but yeah she's a there's a there's a podcast that it's funny uh i'm doing two recordings in one day and I'm a, my friend justin who's been on the show a lot recently we're both big fans of the podcast Cinephobe, and that's why I've heard of that movie is because they did the five heartbeats. And okay, like, it's a it, that show is a show where they don't do a movie unless it's got a forty percent or lower on Rotten Tomatoes, either through the audience or the critics. But that's one of those movies where I, I don't remember if it's like low rated by the critics or what's going on, but they spend the entire movie just being like, this movie rules. Like what the fuck? Like it's crazy that we're even doing this. But wow, uh, I didn't <laughs> I didn't realize that was rated so low. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I'm almost kind of curious to see whether because it's got to be the critics because I'm sure the audience like score for it's probably pretty decent because I was watching clips because you know when they talk so like lovingly about a movie during an episode, it makes you want to like go see some of the scenes and when they're describing like oh yeah he hangs this guy out the window and uh, like i was like okay i gotta like go yeah, it's <laughs> like a like a suge knight vanilla ice type re yeah recreate man <laughs> yeah it's got a, it's got a 39 percent uh uh oh wow this is crazy 39 percent uh from the critics off of 18 reviews 95 percent audience score <laughs> okay because i was just gonna say I was like that just seems very unlikely that people hate it because i that movie's been repeated so much <laughs> yeah they use a. um this is so getting in the weeds on a completely different podcast but it's just i've never heard anybody talk about the five heartbeats before but on the show they have like it's really hard to explain but they have a bit they call that used to be called the four horsemen and now they call it the five horsemen 
because of like that white band that they meet in the five parts. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. and they, they always play this audio clip every episode. So it's like tattooed in my brain where there's like, they're like, let's show them who the horsemen are guys. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. We I, got soul. <laughs> that is so cool. I got to listen. <laughs> it just is really fun. It's like, it's just tattooed into my brain that, that let's show them who the horsemen are guys. And like those corny ass dudes are just like, <laughs> they do that song. It's like, they're not bad singers, but like the five heartbeats guys in the movie are such incredible fucking singers that it's just like embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Um, but yeah, anyway, so I, yeah, I'd never heard of, uh, the director and we were chatting a little bit in the lobby before we started. And I was like, I didn't go, go deep, deep down the rabbit hole. And I do believe that she's done a lot of TV and the problem sometimes when I'm like looking at directors, is I'll pull up their movies, but I won't pull up like the TV work they've done. And there's a lot of directors who they direct like one episode of TV every few months and they can have a perfectly fine career off of that. Yeah. But it's just really surprising because this is her writer directorial debut. It's incredibly well received, at least by the critics, from what I understand. And I also think it was a commercial success because it's a pretty low budget movie. Yeah, it's like three or four million budget. <laughs> and and she made they it made like sixteen million or something like that, which isn't like crazy, but it's it, it's still like you, you made your money back. Like right. you made the movie. It's the critics like it. I think it got lots of awards. Um I I heard that she was having trouble even getting financing for it, but then Sam Jackson got attached. And very, very interesting. I read like a little tidbit from him where he was like you know, I read the script and I was like, I kind of wanted to play the guy because I'd never really played a role like that before. I, Sam Jackson's always good in everything. This movie, it's a, it's interesting. It's not quite who you'd imagine being that guy the way he's written. Because the whole thing with his right. character is he's like so handsome and so suave and like so, and Sam Jackson's a handsome guy, but, but he's definitely not who you think of like <laughs> yeah and i think it's great because i know sam jackson pretty much if he gets hired in a movie you kind of know what you're gonna get yeah when you like see him in this movie this is a very different oh yeah yeah and so it's like it kind of shows his, he has range oh yeah for sure like it's 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 one of those things where there's a lot of actors like sam jackson i put al pacino in this camp where especially when you watch some of their earlier work, you realize that they actually are capable of so much. But as their careers went on, they started to kind of get shoehorned into like, oh, we want the Sam Jack, we want the Sam Jackson that everybody likes. We love, want you to just yell and be like, motherfucker, and do all that <laughs> stuff. And like Al Pacino is like, if you watch like Godfather and like early Pacino, like uh, cruising, uh, he panic at Needle Park, He's so interesting, but then now, any anytime anyone hires him, they just want the ooh ah, <laughs> I'm here, baby boy. Like it's like he's just capable of so much more than that. And and I think if you think like early Sam Jackson, he's just, but I mean he's still good because like I was I've spent like for some reason I've been really obsessed again with the movie Black Snake Moan, and I've just been kind of like God, that's like one of my favorite movies, and he's so good in that movie he's not doing like the caricature character and that's a little bit later for him but i'm just like man like prime sam jackson like pulp fiction yeah. uh die yeah. hard three uh there's like i haven't seen it but there's like that movie where someone like 
murdered his daughter horrifically so he murders the guy and, and the whole movie's like him being put on trial it's like him and matthew mcconaughey i think mm-hmm. uh and like sam jackson's like the he's just basically like everybody he's like basically been like yeah i murdered this guy but i was justified and uh-huh. so it's this really intense like court drama i'm trying to can't remember what the name of the movie is but there's like a really infamous like matthew mcconaughey intense closing argument where he like does this very like descriptive uh, is it the Lincoln lawyer or, or am I thinking of something? That's way, way far down the line. <laughs> okay. I, McConaughey, yeah, he's McConaughey definitely has the lawyer thing down, but I'll, uh, I can find it. And I have the power of the internet at my fingertips. I don't have to just sit here and speculate like an asshole. But <laughs> um, it, you touched on it. Um, Sam Jackson, when he got the script, he also got the short movie that Casey did mm-hmm. called Dr. Hugo. Yeah, which was like based on a chunk of the script, I think. Uh, which I I didn't watch that for, but I'm sure it. I've, I have I've to assume it. it had to do with like the doctor character, the dad. Yeah, I've seen it's 20 minutes long. Um, it's not exactly the dad, but um, essentially there's a scene in the movie where the doctor is checking on the patient, and you know he needs something for the pain, and shuts the door. That, yeah, that 20 minutes is the short film. Um, <laughs> okay, but but the lady's husband walks in. Uh, <laughs> that's interesting <laughs> the husband he the, he he seems to be fooled and thinks that nothing's going on but the husband has to talk with the doctor and wants him to look at his genitalia because he feels like there's something wrong with it the husband does yes the husband does <laughs> and um the doctor says well you know i'll prescribe these pills for you And he said i'm wondering if that's why my wife is sick because of what i have down there Oh, so <laughs> you can tell the doctor is um very um uncomfortable and then as he like walks out the house um the husband says hey doctor your flies unzipped and it kind of looks at him like i know what was going on <laughs> <laughs> so it's a very um interesting short film <laughs> a time to kill is the movie i was trying to pull okay uh i i literally went on letterboxd and was like oh I'll just like scroll through his movies until i see it and then i was like oh actually trying to scroll through sam jackson's filmography is incredibly hard because that man fucking works and he's been in like he's literally like i don't think it it occurred to me until just now when i was like scrolling through his letterbox like you have to go like fucking 50 movies deep before you don't even like see something that's like an incredibly beloved movie like this guy my god he fucking works man holy yeah. shit and he's but, like 74 now <laughs> i know I, I love sam jackson though like I, I don't mean to harp on him too much but he was other than megan good really one of the only people in this movie that was super recognizable to me okay because i've seen megan good in plenty of stuff um who plays sissy the the oldest daughter yeah um although i, I it was i was watching this movie and it prompted me to make a post because i was like what do i recognize her from and i pulled up her imdb and she was in the movie debs yeah which is a movie i'm like low-key kind of obsessed with that nobody's heard of because it's like just this weird early 2000s like like campy spy movie but it's also gay so like i was really into it as as a younger guy and she's one of the leads of that movie and so i'm always like oh she's the chick from debs and the amount of people that i recognize from that movie as being like uh, the biggest ones like there's an actor named jimmy simpson who's in fucking everything he's like 
one of the bigger characters in like that Westworld show that they did recently. Okay. And I was like, what do I know him from? And I was like, oh, it's Debs. It's always Debs because he was in Debs. But yeah, and a lot of these actors, like, it's interesting because like, I think everybody in this movie is really good and I just don't know any of them very well. <laughs> that kind of shocks me um, because I think I know just about everyone really? in, in the movie. Yeah. And I think that like everyone gives a good performance i think making good probably gives the the weakest performance yeah uh, but you know that's st it's still pretty good <laughs> um lynn winfield like she i would say similar to samuel jackson when she's cast you kind of know what you're gonna get she usually plays rich and mean and this was a little different for her where she's really not as me <laughs> yeah and and the thing is like i'm not as familiar with like tv stuff too so like if i pull up lynn whitfield here on letterbox it's like okay i, I recognize the cheetah girls movies kind of but okay. in terms of like her she's in head of state which i've seen um but in like, line between love and hate is like a good one for her with martin okay. lawrence um and then i think she did it might have been the billy holiday story or the lena horn story i know for showtime that one was really good too yeah, like her filmography, it's like a lot of movies I have not seen. Yeah. Debbie Morgan, I mean, I she's in some movies that I recognize, but I don't I can't like place what I would know her from. Like I've seen She's All That and Coach Carter. And apparently she's in Taxi Driver, but I, I definitely don't recognize her from Taxi Driver. Um uh <laughs> I think she's in a movie. Am I uh, is it Asunder? Is that might have been nineteen ninety eight? I haven't seen that in a very long time, but I remember that was a pretty interesting thriller with her in it. Yeah, there's a there it is, a sunder. <laughs> uh, but it's and then like the the like like Journey Smollett, I've seen Birds of Prey, and I was like, oh, she was okay, like cause she looked super familiar to me. I will say, uh, if you watch Full House, you'll definitely remember her. <laughs> okay, Full she was, House. She was like Michelle's friend for. I saw that on our list and I was like, I was trying to pull because I, I watched Full House a little bit when I was okay. younger, but not a ton. Like there was a couple like TV credits that I was like, maybe that's what I reckon. Because she looks so familiar to me. Yeah. But I was just like, I just couldn't quite place it. And I was just like, I don't know. This, this whole movie was me being like, that person looks really recognizable, but I can't quite put my finger on what I know them from. Like it was, it was like bugging me the whole time. And then the other thing that I got really entangled in and it's in my notes, but I guess while we're, while we're just talking about like the talent or whatever, I have a, I have a point like halfway through this movie where I paused the movie and went down a whole Jussie Smollett oh. rabbit hole <laughs> because it was really bugging me. Cause I was like, surely I was like, it can't be a coin. There's two Smollett's in this movie. I was like, I assume they're related somehow. And then I, I went down. I, I, I got really in the weeds on the Jesse Smollett thing yeah, again. Cause cause I, Jake's the one that's playing her brother in a movie. Yeah. But, um, but so, he, so he's not in this movie, but it was like, it did just reignite this whole like, because if people, if people don't remember, because it, it did happen a little while and news moves so fast these days, like Jesse Smollett is her younger brother or I believe younger um and he was on the show i believe empire yes uh which is like one of the biggest shows ever and for some reason <laughs> for some fucking reason uh he lost his mind and decided to fake an assault and and there was like this whole thing where it was like at first everyone was like oh my god this is so horrible i can't believe this could happen and 
in our country and blah, blah, blah. And then it turned out that he had like paid two people to do it. And it's basically been proven over and over again. And yet he's, I found out as of right now, he's still like in court, like trying to fight the charges and yeah. proclaiming that he's innocent and stuff like that. And it's like just one of the most baffling modern day fiascos, I think like ever. Right. And I just like, there was a, there was probably a good like 20 minute breakdown where I had paused the movie and I was just like Googling shit. Cause I was like, like it just reignited the like, what the fuck like moment of like, you can't even conceive of something so, so insane. And, right. and then like, I looked up journey and I was like, I was like, how, cause then I was like putting myself in this headspace where I was like, if I was journey small, like I would be so embarrassed. And then I looked her up and she had all these posts about like, I believe my brother and this is just bullshit or, or it wasn't even that she didn't, it wasn't even that she's like, he's innocent. It, she just thought it was unfair. I, I don't even know her, her whole angle on it was weird. And I was okay, like, I did not realize she yeah. even spoke on it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it, it was like, she turned it into like a weird thing. And I was just like, but it's like, I don't know if I, I was trying to like put myself in that headspace. Right. Like I was like, that's really embarrassing. But I guess if like, so I have two younger sisters and I was like, if one of my younger sisters did something really insane, I feel like, like something had to have like snapped in Jesse like, right. to, to have caused this to happen. And so I don't, I'm not like, I'm not over here, like letting him off the hook or anything, but I am like, like clearly like you weren't on the right medication or something and, and you let something get to your head because like no one in their right mind does what he did. Right. Uh, and so it's like, I don't know. And it's like, yes, people have done worse things for sure. Uh, <laughs> so it's like, it's not even the top of the list of like bad celebrity things, but the whole thing is just so utterly baffling. Cause it's like, he went to jail for something that he did like uh -huh. that, that did not have to happen. Like there was no pressure. He was on one of the most popular TV shows. I think he is out and he's like out on a big popular TV show and like, you know, providing this like interesting, like gay character on a show that's like can be like a focal point of like representation and stuff like that he's uh -huh. already like kind of doing it got a really good music career going i just don't i've never seen someone self-destruct so spectacularly before uh but then i looked him up and he still has like 4.5 million instagram followers <laughs> i was like oh, i mean <laughs> when when i heard about it i thought it, he was trying to look at a way to um branch out from empire because empire did start off pretty hot but then it kind of got yeah funny pretty fast <laughs> so i'm like when it, like when you see it's ending it's like how can i prolong you know my 15 minutes i think that might have been part of it i read a i read a really brief because they interviewed like the brothers that he hired it was yeah, like the, literally these the two, nigerian brothers like these two brothers yeah. that like were getting ready to fly out from the country but he was like hey can you like just pretend to assault me or something yeah and they were on a talk show and they said he basically was just like he wanted to become the face for activism so he that was like why he wanted to manufacture this thing. And I was just like, yeah, I don't know, man. It's so, it's just one of the most, it just, to me, like it didn't overshadow this movie by any stretch, but I just want to be up front and just, so I don't spend the entire episode talking about it. Cause I think it's fascinating. No, it's uh, very like, fascinating. <laughs> like psychologically. Uh, but I, I just was like, I couldn't like not, I just like kept seeing journey smollett and i was like she's got to be related right that's such a specific last name right uh and i was like and then it just yeah but it, it just was it was bugging me for like half the movie so i finally just 
I was like, I, this, I can't even concentrate. I just need to like get this out of my system. <laughs> I can't. I, I'm, I'm mad that you weren't a big TV person because all the siblings had a TV show. Of their own. Oh, really? I noticed that Jake definitely seems to not have done as much acting. I think he became a chef, though, which is kind of cool. That is cool. Uh, but obviously a very talented family. Yeah. Like an incredibly talented family because I think even their father was also like an actor or something like that or about that but there's like that would make sense there's like five siblings and they all act and like and i mean hot take i think journey's really good in this movie like i think she's really good i think she's actually the best um (laughs) uh sis um no diane carroll um oh yeah apparently um well, a little background on the movie. Apparently, Making Good was supposed to be Eve. Yeah, and then it took so long to get to production that they were kind of like, oh, you're too old, but you can be the older sister now. <laughs> right, and then um, when Diane Carroll, and this is like, they're already starting production, they didn't have her cast. Oh. And when they found her, um, because she did that movie with Robin Williams. Um, Jack? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they, Diane Carroll was like, who who did you cast? And they said, oh, we got um, Journey. And she's like, that's a creepy kid. Good, good good job hiring her <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's funny that that comes from her elzora yeah uh I, I did a whole uh i did a whole not a deep dive but i did a thing on diane carroll because i was like i was laughing because when you finally see her without the makeup she's got like this like gray hair or whatever uh-huh. and i was giggling to myself because i was like that's so funny she's like so not old and like they're trying to make her look old and then i looked her up yeah. and was like Wait a second. I was like, if the math is math, <laughs> I think she's 60 years old in this movie. Right. She, I was just like, well, I was like, uh, she might be the most attractive 60 year old woman I've ever she's seen. A, yeah. She's very attractive. <laughs> and the thing is, I think, um, they didn't want her cast in that movie because they thought that she was too distracting because she was beautiful, known for being beautiful. Yeah. Uh, it's, I just, that I, if you had put a gun to my head and been like, well, how old is that woman? I would have been like, 40 tops uh she looks <laughs> she looks fucking incredible <laughs> and then like it's like when she's sitting there um when the scene where she's giving the fortune to lynn woodenfield is like they don't look that different age but then like at, that, at one point debbie calls her like you old woman <laughs> or whatever yeah, yeah. and i'm just like no she's like probably like you know 10 years older than you at this point <laughs> like <laughs> uh but yeah no she's great uh elzora or whatever her name is yeah elzora I got to say, uh, you know, while we're still talking a little bit about the makings of this movie, if we were back in that gun to my head scenario, I don't know why that's my go-to metaphor, but I thought for sure as I was watching this movie, I was like, oh, cool. Like another movie based on a play. Oh, okay. Like, like if you, if I didn't know anything, like it wasn't until I finished the movie that I started actually like looking up the origins of it. Cause I was like, oh, let's figure out what book this is based on or whatever. And it was like, Oh no, she wrote the script and right. she wrote it as a script and it was all her. And I was like, wild. Cause this movie feels so much like it was either a Tennessee Williams play yeah, yeah. that adapted, or if it was like a, a, the memoirs of someone. And then you find out like from her interviews that she did base some of this on her own childhood, but it feels like it's based on, I don't know how to explain it unless people have seen it, but you, I, you immediately nodded when I was saying it, it doesn't it feel based on something yeah um in given you know i've seen a lot of tennessee plays adapted into movies yeah the, the imagery is when the flashbacks oh yeah just, yeah very much you can tell the inspiration yeah and i mean she she capped but it, but it's like it doesn't feel like 
whole cloth ripped off Tennessee Williams. The, oh yeah, absolutely. The dialogue it's is wildly different, yeah. but the vibes are there. It's just so. Uh, and the movie feels scholarly to a certain extent. Like, yeah, the the kids but, are like all precocious and they quote Shakespeare, but like that's like the point of like how they're being raised because they're they're in this weird like zone where they actually are kind of they have found like a place of affluence, but it's in this like weird corner of the swamp. But like so, it, like I, the 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 layers to like this entire town's existence is very fascinating. I think to a certain extent, like. The movie opens with like sort of explaining how the this bayou Eve's bayou like even kind of came into existence because it was like a it was like a slave woman who saved her master and then he freed her but then she had like sixteen of his kids or something like that right and then in the casting of almost everybody in the town does feel very specific because uh, like everyone does look like they maybe could be descended like from that union and there's like a lot of like creole flavor exactly. being thrown around it's very interesting like the the flavor and the southern gothicness of the movie is like so interesting and specific and again i i you know when you look up reviews a lot of people were like what a fucking directorial debut like what a amount of confidence you must have had to like put all of this like specificity and like flavor into a movie like this where uh i just i had never there's like moments where I was watching this where I was like, this feels similar to certain things I've seen, but yeah. I, I also kept feeling like I'd never quite seen something like it. It was very interesting. <laughs> so one thing that is very um, unique that I've noticed as an adult that I didn't really pay attention to as a kid is, you know, besides that opening, you know, dialogue where she talks about, you know, the slave and saving the master's life. This is not, a racial movie and it's very it's very like cool to see that even given that it's set in the 60s yes there's yeah. there's not a lot of i mean there's no one who's white in the film there's not and I, really and I, and I, I feel like i saw like one white guy at the party because because like at the very opening scene yeah. i was really trying to get the lay of the land and and you're so right because it's like it being set in the 60s in the south you're bracing kind of for right. like the race element of it and i know she had to fight <laughs> she had to fight um the, the studio because they wanted to insert you know some characters yeah and, and and intentionally make them evil and she's like no that's not what this movie is <laughs> yeah the, this town like feels like this specific thing it's all it's almost like a weird oasis in a way yeah but it is you're so right like i talk about this like when i talk about like movies where the characters happen to be lgbtq but it's not about the struggle of being gay right like i i've seen i've like heard people talk about like that are in that sort of like group it's just refreshing to see a movie where the characters are gay but it's not about how hard it is to be gay right or like i've listened to you know people say like crazy rich asians was really nice to watch because it was just a comedy where they you know the characters were asian but it wasn't like about the struggle of being asian you know so it is, and especially like for a movie from like 97 to just kind of just, poof, and it's really, it's, it's just a pure human drama. Uh, and it's not like, and, um, to go back to, you know, movies I probably shouldn't have seen when I was young. I do remember <laughs> around the time I watched this movie, I also watched the movie Rosewood, which I have not gone back to watch again, but that was very heavy handed on the racism mm -hmm. you know lynchings and all that other stuff and i'm like 
that doesn't make you feel good. <laughs> it's not, it's like, it's like we've seen this so many times. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a little, it gets a little exhausting, but no, I, I'm kind of curious, like, so I, I we'll probably go through the movie sort of like, not necessarily beat by beat, but like this movie is sort of a, sort of like a collection of vignettes, although it all does sort of tie together. Like, I, I think, I think this movie's like, honestly, incredibly well paced and well plotted. Like, I, I think the script in general is pretty remarkable, honestly. Now, I have a question for you. Did you watch the um, director's cut or did you watch the theater version? I think I watched the theater version. The version I watched was like about an hour 48. Okay. Um, um, was Uncle Tommy a character? Yeah. Okay. So I think you watched the director's cut. Okay. Um, he's the guy that like pulls the quarter out from behind her ear no okay no, 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 no. which which character is he okay um director's cut tommy is cut out completely okay what what does he do we can get into that now um <laughs> sure um well, okay that, so is, um, it, is it bad does he do bad stuff <laughs> um, so he is paralyzed i think he has cerebral palsy oh yeah i definitely never met a character like that so so director's cut is like an extra 20 minutes and he um he doesn't do anything, doesn't say a lot, but he does offer maybe a different perspective because he's like in the room when certain things happen. Oh, you know what? Cause I, that's why you triggered a memory for me because like, I was going to like do a little bit more research, but it's kind of ran out of time. But there was something I read that was like, uncle, is it Tommy? Tommy T O M Y. Uh, it's like, it's like, Uncle Tommy knows the truth or whatever. And I was like, who's Uncle Tommy? Like, <laughs> uh, and so I, I didn't understand what that was. And I will say, I, I'm going to lean on you a little bit during this podcast because I was having a really hard time finding this movie. Okay. And the version I found uh, about 15 minutes in the movie, the subtitle started going out of sync. Uh, <laughs> and this is a very whispery movie. Yeah. Yeah. And so I got lost in the sauce a couple times. I was okay. having a really hard time. Like, and the way the movie plays with like perspective and time, it took me a while to understand like that. Is it Maz, Moselle, Moselle. The, the aunt, um, but the psychic powers, I was not, it was not clicking for me that her husband had died. I was, I was so confused okay. for a while. And I was like, wait, cause this, this movie is also weird in the way that characters react to certain things. Very. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, is her, cause like, then I heard someone go, I'm so sorry for your loss. And then she, of course, talks about her husband, but she talked about him like they had all died like so long ago. And I was like, her husband was the drunk guy that, uh, that was like leaving the party, right? right? That pulled the coin from behind right, Red's right. ear. And, but I was like, were they implying that he, because he wasn't driving, so he didn't die that night. That's a good he? question. That's something uh, that we got to think. So how did, exactly and wasn't did he... she in the, she would have been in the car too, right? Like, right. she was driving. So I was like, I was so fucking confused for a while. Like, and I was like, what am I missing? Like actually, uh, I pulled, I pulled up a transcript okay. of the, of like the dialogue in the movie. And I would occasionally look at it to make sure I wasn't missing anything super important because like the characters will just randomly go off on tangents out of nowhere. And I'll, I'll be like, wait, what is happening right now? Like, cause Maz is a fascinating character. Uh, and, and like, she just has so many random monologues that I was like, where that, is this coming from? That <laughs> monologue in the mirror was, I gotta say perfect. Oh, uh, when she tells the story of how her husband got shot. Right. That shit was awesome. And I was like, <laughs> no special effects, you know, but how they did the camera, that was oh, amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. I should say like, 
Cassie, Casey, uh, Lemons, yeah, uh, deserves all the credit in the world. But I've noticed that people are also very quick to point out the cinematographer, uh, Amy Vincent. Okay, yeah, because uh, she shot it. Yeah, because like she shot it, and the movie looks fucking great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and it's just got, God, it's like sweaty too, like in, in a good way. And like I don't know, man, it, like it, and they they capture the period really well. Like if I didn't see Sam Jackson in this movie and other actors that I recognize, like. I would have had trouble like pinpointing when this movie had been made. And I always think that's a good thing when you're watching like a period piece. Yeah. Like if you can really make it feel like the sixties, I think that's really cool. And like the fact that this is something as recent as 97 to me is almost a little bit shocking to a certain extent. Uh, but, but yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that scene a little bit, but uh, my first note, and if you, and please, if you have any notes, feel free to chime in. Uh, but my first note is just, I know nothing about this movie. <laughs> and so like, I just am like immediately trying to get my bearings and, uh, the movie, if you guys have never watched it before, I'll spoil. Well, first off, there's gonna be a lot of spoilers, big, big spoilers, big spoilers. And there's like some shit that happens in this movie. That's shocking. So if you don't want that to be spoiled for you, like this is your warning. Cause we're going to talk, we have to talk about it. Uh, and two, I would recommend seeing the movie. Like, I don't know what my score at the end of the, the show is going to be, but it was, it's, a, it's an interesting movie that I'm sad to learn under my radar for so long. So, so do yourselves a favor and check it out. Like there's a really good chance that you might not have heard of this either. So I don't want you guys to get too lost in the woods as far as like what we're talking about. I'll try to do an okay job describing some, somewhat what's happening. But the thing about this movie is it's not so much about like, specific action beats as it is about like the vibe of like the family drama and stuff so it's it's a little hard to fully explain but one thing that's not hard to explain is how this movie starts with a vo and like within two lines the movie kind of grabs you by the lapels because like the second line of this movie is like i was 10 years old the sum the summer i killed my father and you're like okay hang on a second because <laughs> like I, me not knowing what this movie is it's like she's like memories fade or what she has like that memory thing and she's like i was 10 years old the summer i killed my father and i was like i just kind of sat forward like what was that uh, <laughs> what, what, what kind of movie is this like what, what what am i in for this is crazy uh i will say i not knowing anything about that movie that line did make me so there's something that happens in this movie that when she said that my mind jumped to something that he could have done that i was like what would cause this and right. i was like probably is this and then as the movie was going i was like maybe it's not maybe that i was like are we gonna get away without that happening and then it happens and like my notes are just no (laughs) uh but but yeah so uh our 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 lead essentially of the movie uh is eve a lot of people in the movie call her red because she has red hair again like the casting of everyone is very interesting because they just have like a very specific look where uh you know like journey she has like lighter skin and like red hair and, and stuff. And so like the genetics of is like the history of like the town that they're like, they're like supposedly all descendants from like the Della Crow. Like they, they all have like crazy ass French names. Baptiste, I think is there. Yes. That's there. Uh, Bath, Batiste, but, uh, I'm bad, but you know, I literally play a French character like in a D and D campaign. And I can't fucking pronounce French words <laughs> to save my life. Uh, but it's like Batista or something like that. I think it's pronounced Batiste. Batiste, uh, like great. I mean, great names, of course. Like, but I, I love like, uh, French quarter, like Louisiana, 
like deep south french names delacroix and <laughs> and uh just like it's just always a, I, I i love that whole vibe <laughs> but uh they're they're like a pretty affluent family but it is like not knowing what you're getting into this movie starts with like this party and i don't know who matters who doesn't matter so i'm like trying to track everything i don't know for you you've seen it a, a few times i mean does the this opening still feel chaotic to you like with this party and you're meeting everybody or because you know what's going to happen do you kind of it's kind of just going with the flow and the vibe at this point <laughs> i mean you i mean think it's the latter you just kind of go with the flow mm -hmm. um, i just think it's interesting uh l on rewatches to look at the opening scene and you can just foreshadow how things are going to go yeah as far as you know eve being a little jealous mm -hmm. being not being her father's you know apple of, of the eye yeah how adult um sicily acts <laughs> yeah it's very uh you've quickly figure out that she's like the middle child and it's like classic middle child syndrome mm -hmm. where you're not the eldest princess but you're not the little uh the the youngest favorite you know you get these really this movie does a lot of like you have to like keep track of like the characters and and like there's nothing that really happens in this movie that doesn't feel incredibly well motivated and the movie sets up all the dominoes yeah. and you see her watch her father dance with her sister and you see her like seethe with jealousy and you see the mom pick up the son and you see her watch that and be kind of annoyed because uh -huh. it's like the mom picks up the son and then she immediately runs over and starts to like play a prank on the kid by telling him he's like eating bees and stuff <laughs> and you get why she's doing it she's acting out uh and it's all like really interesting and justified and, and layered in, a, in an interesting way uh and, and immediately so immediately i'm already like oh okay so there's like a lot going on right now, like with the dynamics of this family. Uh, but she gets mad and storms out, uh, which sort of like sort of sets our plot in motion because essentially what that does is it puts her in the garage where her father and not her mother <laughs> uh, <laughs> are about to burst into the garage, like getting ready to do it, uh, which I was also like, how traumatizing would it be to just like see your father just like getting it on with somebody like two feet away. like i just feel like i would never be able to like scrub that from my brain if i saw that right <laughs> like, like thankfully like i guess his pants are still on. i don't I, I guess it was just like a fly situation not not to break down the semantics of like how he was having sex with this woman right but. i mean there are some things that happen in this movie but Thankfully, it's not very graphic. <laughs> no, not really. Um, uh, the only thing I, I forgot to Google was like how old Megan Good was when she did this because I had some questions about a certain scene. Fifteen uh, minutes. I was fifteen years old. Oh boy. Uh, eh. And um, <laughs> she she has noted that was her first on on screen. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so. Red, I, I kind of called her Red throughout my notes. Like, okay, uh, I, I know the movie's called Eve's Bayou, and she's technically like the titular Eve, which is also like I've noticed some of the reviews sort of like pull in like almost biblical references to a certain extent. I didn't okay. feel like this movie was terribly biblical. But I didn't think so. With a name like <laughs> Eve, that's always going to carry a certain amount of weight. Like, people are always going to draw that connection. You know, it's like you can't just you can't say Eve without thinking of Adam and Eve, and it's like you just start to try to see like oh is there like a, is this a garden of eden like i saw somebody call like the town a garden of eden allegory and i'm like i'm not quite picking up that but 
Like, yeah. Eh, sometimes people stretch a little bit. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I just noticed on TikTok, um, the Gen Zs just have a lot to say about this. <laughs> <laughs> this movie? Yeah. I, I haven't, I definitely haven't seen that. Like what kind of, like anything of particular note? Um, or is this kind of stuff where it's too spoilery, so you want to touch on it when we actually? I guess we could wait. Until <laughs> I, I realize what they probably have to say has to do with. Uh, I have. I have to assume it has to do with certain things that happen in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she sees her dad. Uh, is it Maddie Moreau? Is that the uh, yeah Maddie Moreau? Miss Miss Mrs. Moreau. Uh, but like we at this party, we see Mrs. Moreau and her husband dancing, and it's very like lewd uh dancing and like everyone's just kind of watching <laughs> they're like the only people that are dancing that crazy too it just <laughs> makes it really stick out uh but i mean this is bro she's 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 a hot lady I, I get it i guess to a certain extent but basically right off the bat uh sam jackson's daughter sees him cheating on his wife and she she freaks out like i was kind of like wait what's going on here because she's like hyperventilating and he has to like calm her down i also i also had a moment where i was like i hope this isn't too crude to say but i just i can't imagine being like mid in the middle right. of like doing that with a woman and then having to calm down your child like two seconds later right like i'm just like the the whiplash you would feel in that moment would be like fucking insane yeah yeah <laughs> uh, but, i mean kudos to him he like immediately switches focus and like tries to calm her down. But Sam Jackson, I think is very good in this movie. He's playing a tough role and like kudos to him to be willing to take on the ugliness of certain aspects of his character. Yeah. But he does have like a, he's genuinely concerned about her, but there's also this like very uh, sort of underneath the surface of like suspicion and uh, annoyance. And like the, like basically he takes her out and he like, decides to have a talk with her and he's th the things he's saying are very like what you would say to a child but his face is very like you better not fuck this up for me like, <laughs> like there's, the, there's there is a little layer of that to his character and there's like it adds a like a tiny bit of like i don't know if menace is the right word but you're like he's not just he is concerned about his daughter but he's almost more concerned about getting found out right and you're like oh is this guy like a full scumbag like what's going on here like I, part of the challenge of this movie entirely is, you know, in it in spo slight spoilers, but it leaves everything somewhat ambiguous. Yes, uh, and so it's really hard to you you never really know how to feel about his character fully. And I think some of that is a result of the day we're in, because I think that if we're in '97, I think it's easy to say, "Oh, he's the scumbag, he's a creep." But then when we get, you know, to today, where I mean, it the media landscape is really like called out men for some horrific things yeah that if you're like oh well he just cheated on his wife yeah it's not that bad <laughs> well it was like this thing where i was like oh it's like the main drama just gonna be the tension of his family and the fact that he's cheating i i i get why the movie goes where it goes uh -huh. but i was almost like i was a little bit more interested in them not going the full dark route with it Cause like, I felt like the tension was already working. Like the fact that he was, you know, going out on their mom was causing problems in the family and you were seeing it sort of seep into every crack of it. Uh -huh. The fact that they layer on another like crazy thing is like, okay, well now, now the movie is just about that now. Like all I can focus on is this one thing. Um, but 
Yeah, I don't know, but he he manages to sort of calm her down. He promises her that they'll definitely dance together uh-huh. the next time. It's it's also like this very uh, you know part of the tension in the family, and and there. I mean, I think this movie represents it really well. Is that like a lot of times the parent that's a little more absent tends to be the one that the children are desperate to like get their love and approval, uh-huh. and then that seeps in throughout this entire film too, and it affects like the judgment of the characters to a certain extent. Because, like, you know, he is a charismatic, interesting, cool guy. The movie basically opens with, like, it's funny because, like, someone says to, like, his mom, like, what's it like having, like, the most popular son in the entire town? And she's, like, she basically says the equivalent of, like, he ain't shit. (laughs) Right. It's it's pretty funny. (laughs) Bang. Grandma's the unsung hero of this movie. Like, they just kind of disregard her, but she is, like... Saying some gems, you know. <laughs> but she's also just right about everything. Pretty much. <laughs> so yeah, it's like sort of smoothed over, but you're like, I, I was laughing because you know me being a first timer in this movie, it's basically like he's like, and you don't tell anybody about this, and she's like, okay, and then like the next scene is her like going upstairs, and she seen it. It was it's it's I keep using the term whiplash, but it seems like she's been calmed down. The next scene is her just immediately freaking out and starting crying. Right. And she tells Sissy, like, I saw dad in the garage with Mrs. Moreau. It's all so terrible. So, so, <laughs> so just to kind of um, back up a little bit, the kind of funny thing is we go through that opening party. The kids are drinking alcohol. Mm-hmm. And then when um, the dad and Eve are talking, then the mom comes out and kind of says like oh you are you are drunk <laughs> yeah so it kind of puts the thing in my mind is like oh eve is drunk and this is through the point of view of eve so True. what is what she saw in the garage or the barn or whatever it is is it real that, that that's one of the things that's interesting about the movie because uh, the movie like seems to like by the end of it be talking a lot about like how much can we trust our memory and how yeah. much of it's real and like the big thing is like that it turns out it was sort of ambiguous and you don't know what the truth of the situation is. But as far as like the Mrs. Mon- Mrs. Moreau thing goes, that feels like there's no doubt in my mind that he was just definitely out there, like trying to get it on with her. Cause like right. he keeps going and seeing her. He like literally is at the bar, like macking on her uh, and like kissing her in, right. in public. Like the entire town just knows. Exactly. So it's like, <laughs> it's weird, but it is like, it did occur to me by the end of the movie though. Cause like what happens is, uh red is freaking out and sissy takes her aside and she goes that's you think you saw that right but actually what probably happened was this and so it is laying down the landscape for the memory can't quite be trusted and it also lays the landscape for like maybe sissy isn't always like truthful with the interpretation of how things went down right because like <laughs> you weren't even there girl you were <laughs> dancing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you're telling me what happened but yeah <laughs> i guess it's worth mentioning that i i do really like the chemistry of the siblings um because it it this this uh the director nailed pretty hard too because you have this thing you know maybe maybe people without siblings haven't fully experienced it but the highs and lows of like being incredibly antagonistic and doing these like horrific things to your siblings that you would maybe never do to anyone else, but then also having their backs or leaning on each other in like really hard times, like the, the way you can just bounce back and forth between like pure hatred to, I love this person and I would die for them. 
uh, in this movie, like capture, and it doesn't feel like, I think some people would accuse it of being a little inconsistent, but that's like what it's like. Uh, and like, like red's relationship with sissy felt very real to me. Uh, the jealousy, but the love and the fact that she's like looking to her older sister for guidance in this like fucked up thing that she witnessed and isn't sure what to deal with. You know, I like that. They're all kind of a little precocious and smart. And like the movie starts off with sissy coming out and like starting to quote Shakespeare and they all join in. It's like clearly like a thing that they do together. And it's, it's, it's cute, you know? Uh, but it also shows you like, like they're, you know, they're pretty like knowledgeable and smart, uh, especially for their age and stuff. And I don't know, like I, I like their dynamic a lot. I don't know if you have any strong feelings. I just kind of feel like journey is carrying the dynamic. That's what, cause I think it just exposes like how weak Megan is in this. I feel like when she's with the adults, the adults can maybe adapt to her to make it seem like okay. But when she is with Journey in a scene and they're emotional, it's like Journey is running around her like 20 <laughs> times. That's interesting. I I agree with you that I think Journey is like the standout child performance, but I I didn't th- feel like Megan Good was bad. So I guess I'd have to like, I guess Journey's emotions did feel a little more sincere than Megan's at times. Like Megan's did seem a little, there's a couple scenes with the two where, I remember thinking this is getting really melodramatic. Yeah. But now that I'm reflecting on it and hearing you say it, like maybe some of that was because Megan was making it feel more melodramatic and less real than I was I was getting from Journey. I mean, I think at this point, I think I'd only known known her from Cousin Skeeter. So I'm like, <laughs> went from like a Nickelodeon sitcom to like, yeah, trying to be emotional. And again, I think she did good. I just think it just wasn't her best. No, no, she's she's good in Deb. She's really good in Brick. That's a that's a fun one that she's in. I have not seen that. Uh, Brick is a Brick is uh, Ryan Johnson's like big debut. Uh, the big angle with the movie is they're all high schoolers, but all the dialogue is like it's like a '40s noir movie. And it's like how much cake dough makes the canary sing, and like they literally like, okay. that's like how they talk, and it's really weird. But it's like it's a pretty fun movie, and it's very stylish. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the lead. Oh, okay, uh, and it's just like. He's like trying to solve a murder. Uh, it's at, but it, but they're all high schoolers. It's 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 weird. <laughs> uh, but but she's good in that one. But she's doing like the goofy. She's like, you tried to come to see me, but but it's like it's hard to explain unless you've seen it. But yeah, Br- Brick's a wild one. But she's in that. Uh, I do like. Uh, they haven't even gone to bed yet, and you just hear some shouting outside. Uh, I think it's Uncle Harry. Is that what his name is? Yeah, that's Uncle Harry. Uh, he's like drunk out of his mind. And again, this this feels very real. Like if you've ever seen two drunk people who like each other, right. but they've their emotions have just gotten kind of riled up. And so they're just, like you don't even know what they're fighting about. Like the uncle seems to maybe have some deep-seated jealous jealousy. Like in like, because you know, we've already been told in the movie, like Sam Jackson is like, this well-respected doctor uh-huh. and Harry's like, I don't even know what Harry is. Like, I, I don't know what he does for a job, but, uh, he just, he just <laughs> married Moselle. <laughs> yeah. But he's like, he tries to take a swing. Sam Jackson's like amused by it, yeah. which is funny. Cause like that attitude will kind of be reflected in a, a, one of the last scenes in the movie. He sort of treats that situation similarly to much more disastrous results. But uh, the movie gets a little, con- we talked about it, but the movie gets really confusing to me here. Like I literally, my note says I'm super confused because I just didn't understand like, cause the, it feels like they're setting up that he was drunk, but he wasn't driving, 
but then he he died and it's like like red has like black and white flashes of like seeing the crash uh, it should also be said we haven't really touched on it a ton yet because it hasn't really been incorporated in the movie yet but this movie does have a slight thread of magical realism like running out through it yeah because one of my big struggles in this movie was not being 100 percent sure where it was going trying to be like so is the psychic i was like every 10 minutes i'd have to be like so wait is the psychic stuff real like she really is having visions and i think by the end of the movie within the context of the world it is understood like yeah red and moselle just can see the future sometimes yeah uh and i and it is like it's not just some stylish movie thing it's like legitimately a thing the characters can do but it wasn't like till the very end of the movie that i was even fully wrapping my head around that okay uh it's just it's like hard to parse because like moselle almost treats the fact that she can see visions as if it's like a fake sideshow thing. Cause like when she's talking to red, she almost like dismisses it as a thing. But then as the movie goes on, it's like, Oh no. Okay. No, these visions are real. And also she's right. I don't think she's ever wrong the entire movie. So as an audience member, I have to be like, okay, so she does just see the future (laughs) right? or she can like see where people are at by like touching people. And then I didn't understand it yet, but apparently red sees uncle Harry dying. And then, it just it moves so and fast because you see her at a graveyard putting flowers down, and then she just goes and visits Aunt Moselle, and then you kind of hear her talking about her husband being dead. And I was like, okay, right. so was it the drunk guy from? I was I was just I, I finally figured it out later, but okay. at this point in the movie, I was I was very confused. Uh- <laughs> and um, it's really weird when she's having that vision that she has that coin right next to her that yeah for me from her ear so that's a little weird too like <laughs> a little bit movie like was that was that his good luck coin and like did that tra- <laughs> uh, it was just kind of weird and like mm. but on the plus side uh red visits aunt moselle and we get more time with for my money the most interesting character in the movie okay uh i, I think aunt moselle just has honestly the most going on as a character she just she's just a fascinating character like every time she popped up on screen i was like I get why she's not like the lead of this movie, but she's so interesting. <laughs> uh, just like she's like a medium and she's had three husbands die on her now. And she's just like, and she's basically our main character's confidant, like even more maybe than sissy. Yeah. It seems like whenever red's in trouble or doesn't know how to parse certain things, she goes to aunt Moselle mm-hmm. and Moselle's got like, you know, interesting life advice for her <laughs> i i don't know do you have any strong feelings about moselle <laughs> and I, this might be jumping out a little a little out of order but i just think it's really interesting how you know you have her brother and the mother and everyone says she's crazy yeah um but you know the mother also saying her visions are always right yeah you know, she's crazy so then but it's her all, it's her visions that ends up for like a big chunk of the movie she like sees a kid get hit by a bus in one of her visions and it causes their mom to basically be like, you're not allowed to go outside. Like that's how much she's freaked out by Moselle's vision. So there's obviously something going on there. <laughs> yeah. Um, my biggest thing I'm left wondering about her is like, did she kill her husband's though? I mean, she definitely could have the one that got shot. She certainly could have diffused that situation differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you hear that story, <laughs> I'm like that. You didn't. You, you kind of got your husband shot. Uh, I don't know how the first husband died, and 
I don't, I still don't understand if Harry was meant to have died that night or if it was like setting up a precedent that he's willing to drive drunk and maybe he got in a drunk driving accident Later, some yeah, other there, night. Yeah, because there's no timeline of like when, yeah, when it, things happened after this party. It's super confusing. I have to believe since Moselle's not even injured, Harry must have just gone to the bar another night and tried to drive home and like hit a tree and died. Like, I, uh, that's my assumption. The movie does not do a good job of like explaining that. Right. Uh, but the way time moves in this movie is a little confusing sometimes. I definitely, there were times where I was like, I could use a Chiron here. Just, just like, <laughs> just say like three weeks later. Yeah. Like I, I'm having a really, but the thing is, it's kind of like the point of the movie is it's about like hazy childhood memories and the fact that it's a little bit discombobulated and confusing is sort of like the point it, it's something i always wrestle with in movies where just because something's the point doesn't make it okay because it still just confuses me as a viewer and not in like a good way but i get why they're going with what they're going with it's like to the child it's like yeah but there was a party and then the, ne the next thing i remember from being 10 is like i remember seeing my uncle harry being drunk and then i remember hearing he had died and like t to the child's pov like those events maybe felt back to back, but like in the timeline of the movie could have been like a month. I, I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Moselle seems to be willing to see people that want to see her. It's not like a lot of business about whether she gets paid about this. Like, I think the one lady's like, I can't really afford to pay you, but it's like, uh, and Moselle's like, Oh, it's fine. But like some woman is, She's like looking for her son or something. And uh -huh. Moselle's like, uh, yeah, he's on drugs and yeah. in the hospital. And she's yeah. like, no, he'll be, he'll be on the hospital on Tuesday. Like, <laughs> I was like, well, I guess it gives you time from Louisiana to get up there. <laughs> yeah. He's like up in Michigan or something. Um, her and red walk around. They have like some fun conversations, I think. Cause She's because she's like telling Red, like, well, what's she going to do if you're wrong? She's like, I don't know. I don't think she's going to sue me. Right. <laughs> There's like a weird moment. I don't know if it's here or if it's later, but like Moselle like lights up a cigarette and like kind of hands it to Red for a second. That's that same scene. And then yeah. Red like goes to smoke it. <laughs> Moselle, it's almost like she realizes, like, ah, give me that. Like, it's, it's a pretty fun little, little yeah. beat. <laughs> Which right. is also like, again, it's a very kid thing to like remember your first beer or your first cigarette or something like that. Uh, just, especially also like, back in the day when people like took that less seriously where kids were just like sneaking cigarettes and stuff this is very like because it's the 60s like people are just smoking all the time yeah in, in this movie inside like there's a i i think i have a note later because like red is like laying her head on like moselle's chest and moselle's just like smoking like two inches away from her <laughs> i was like ah the good old days <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's just like a really funny visual to see these days i, I have a my my note here just says pipe lane montage which uh is the sequence where red is walking around with her dad going with him to doctor visits okay like there's this older lady and she's clearly into him and uh -huh. then there's this younger lady who's you know pretty attractive and just this very unsubtle like i'm not feeling so good doctor and he's like oh why don't you go outside for a little bit? I was like, wow, just not even like being subtle. Yeah. Like how, <laughs> what kind of pain you have, Stevie? <laughs> and 
yeah, like I said, that Dr. Hugo, that is that movie, and that is the same actress and everything. That's, so. that's very funny. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like even a 10-year-old can kind of like do the math of like what's... She, she, she has a thing where it's like, what kind of pain is she in? So, uh, sometimes you just can't quite put your finger on it. <laughs> and then she like repeats that line later. Later, like, yeah. Because it's like, oh, she's like hip to it. Yeah. It's a pretty funny interaction because he's just like, why don't you go home? And she's like, I don't want to go home. And he's like, I'll race you. And she's like, okay. And then just like takes off and you just see him kind of smirk like, ha ha. <laughs> it's like, she is still a kid after all. Uh, but there's like, a, this is another chunk where it's like, I think I just missed some dialogue because I think that Roz, who is Sam Jackson's husband played by, you said her name. Uh, Lynn, Riff Lynn Winfield. Lynn Winfield. She, um, she seems to, I don't remember how, but it's like, it's basically like she knows that, that he's sleeping around right. and she's upset about it. And it's funny because it took until later in the movie for me to understand that Moselle is actually Sam Jackson's sister, not uh, sister. Because she seems to be closer. With, and also it's Moselle and like Roz, is her name Rozelle or just Roz? I think uh, they only refer to her as Roz, but I mean. Uh, and so I was like, I was like, surely they're sisters. And then. It was like, nope, she's actually Sam Jackson's sister. I was like, right. weird. It's funny because they're so much closer. And then, <laughs> the, then the mom is Sam Jackson's mom. Yeah, yeah. So, because uh, so, he's like, he seems to be like, uh, it's not touched on a ton, but like they're descendants. Like they're they're like they've been like a generationally right. affluent family. Right. I think to a certain extent, um, they got the big fancy manor in the bayou, which I, I should have mentioned. Like one of my notes just says I. I do love the bayou. I actually, when a movie's like set in like deep Louisiana or like the, what the so-called bayou or the swamp or whatever, I love that aesthetic. So I just, in this movie, that was the part that I was kind of trying to parse where a lot of the movies like set at the house in a way that like, okay, this is like a Tennessee Williams play. Mm -hmm. This is our big set piece, but they do go around a lot. So I was like, I was like, oh, they really like, cause me still thinking this was like based on a play. I was like, oh, they're doing a good job of like giving us like a lot of visual variety it's very funny to just find out like no it was a script uh and it is like just uh it's not touched on a ton but you know the the woods and the swampland and the snakes and the just the vegetation and water is so specific to that setting and you uh -huh. just really don't see it and you kind of feel the sticky hot air seep into your yeah. skin a little bit like the whole setting is really well done like uh i, I love that shit <laughs> i i don't know if i'd want to live there but i like watching movies set there <laughs> yeah I just i don't know if i could feel hot and sticky all the time but it looks nice <laughs> i just don't think i could deal with the creatures like the giant bugs and the snakes and the crocodiles like i i, I don't think because there's even a moment where she wakes moselle up and she's got like one of those mosquito things like draped over her bed yeah yeah and i was like oh god like <laughs> the, the yeah i was i had a weird thought with that when i rewatched it i was like the, the effort at night to like make sure it's completely wrapped around <laughs> i was like i'd be so annoyed <laughs> you just want to go to bed but right. you have to like set up your fucking mosquito tent <laughs> right like, just make sure no holes make sure they don't get in i'm just like oh my goodness <laughs> yeah yeah i just i do love the I just, I, I want to, I didn't manage to hit it on my, my road trip, but I, I briefly toyed with the idea of going down to New Orleans first before I went out West, uh -huh. but it, 
would have added like multiple days to my trip. So I didn't, but I desperately want to go to New Orleans one of these days. I just want to see it. It's like just such a historic city and just the vibe of it. Not that this is necessarily, there's a difference between like deep Southern Louisiana and like New Orleans specifically, but I don't know. I just, I love the aesthetic. Like people, like when you look up things about this movie, they say, use phrases like Southern Gothic and things like that, mm. where it's, it I definitely has shades of that. Uh, and, and it's a very specific aesthetic uh, and, and it kind of, it hits it pretty good. <laughs> oh, where, let's see. Oh yeah. So the reason I was getting in the weeds on this is because Mo Moses' husband seems to have just died. And yet for some reason she's over at their house and there's like all this back and forth of like, aren't you supposed to be cheering me up? And I was like, didn't your husband just die? Why is it on <laughs> you to like cheer this woman up? And like, why is she, cause she's upset. Because I think she knows that that Sam Jackson's been stepping out on her, and I, yeah. I don't know. I got a little confused here, to be honest with you. <laughs> and I think that goes back to like we don't know how much time has passed by because you know she's leaving flowers on graves. Like, how long has he been buried? <laughs> yeah, you know. So like, I'm just kind of like, well, maybe it's been three, three, maybe it's been six months. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think the biggest thing is like i do believe most of this movie is contained over like one summer okay so but again it's like i don't know like because that was like we talked about people acting strangely in this movie uh. it's like shouldn't moselle be more tore up that her husband died but then you find out she's had like three husbands die on her and maybe that's why she's a little aloof about it but we are about yeah. to get the exact opposite of that though because they go to this like market and there's this like fortune teller woman who i don't remember them actually name dropping her in the movie but i just know from the credits that her name was elzora uh <laughs> they've um they did the adults have referred to her a few times i think okay but but roz wants to go talk to her and moselle's like don't talk to her she's a fucking scam artist or whatever i'm a real psychic and she's like oh i sense some professional jealousy and i was like what the fuck is because i was like it's already one thing to have one fortune teller, like future seer in the movie to throw a second fortune teller future seer in the movie was like, I was like, what is going on? <laughs> and then to have them both seem to actually have powers is just a, a like, wild, just a wild lair. <laughs> so, okay. This is interesting. Do you think that Elzora actually had power? She's everything she says is right. Like she's not, and she knows things like maybe she's heard enough. She's smart enough to pick up gossip around town. Like she knows that Sam Jackson's stepping out. Yeah. And so her being like, it'll be resolved in three years. Look to your children. You don't necessarily have to actually see visions to maybe offer that up as advice or whatever. Yeah. And everybody probably knows that Moses husband's died. So her calling Moses a black widow you could come up, you could come up with that without having magical powers, but, and then we'll get to it. But like what she does for red later, I think that's up to audience interpretation, whether she actually factored into that whatsoever or not. Yeah. Um, but I'm inclined to think that she's got something going on. <laughs> like, but I guess I don't know. You're right to ask that though. Cause like, I guess I don't really know now that I'm thinking about it. Cause there's nothing that really proves she's, nothing but like someone that will literally take two twenty dollars i looked up the math in the 60s twenty dollars was two hundred dollars 
So she, <laughs> she essentially fleeces red for two hundred dollars, which I was like, God damn. Uh, <laughs> there's just some, and there are kind of some things like that, like um, when she thought like red were I'm calling her right now too. When she thought that red was um vandalizing the, when the kids were kids vandalizing her vandalizing her house. And she's like, like, get off my lawn before I cook you and eat you. And I was just like, oh, I was just like, so I was like, she's just maybe like a town joke. Yeah. So it was like, cause you know. Um, you know, Moselle's not getting treated like that. She's getting a little more respected. Yeah. Though, She's also though. not doing like the weird face paint and all right. that crap. Uh so like it's it's interesting, but she definitely Elzora definitely gets under both these sisters' skin. because uh, like <laughs> yeah. like uh Roz takes it pretty seriously. And then uh Moe's the thing with Moe's though is it's like it's like deep down in her heart, she of course had that suspicion about herself that she's basically cursed. Anyone who marries her will die. Uh But I think hearing it out loud, I mean, she freaks the fuck out. I think she like shatters uh, Elzora's like money money jar. jar. She's like, you fucking scam artist. I was like, God damn. I was like, Moses freaking out. I was also kind of wondering is like, what kind of beef did y'all have beforehand? Because like (laughs) they came in hot. I'm just like, dang, like what did, was one of her husbands killed by Moselle? Like, I don't know, but yeah. Uh, I, I think there's just in a town and the town feels pretty contained and small. Mm-hmm. I think if you've got two people who claim to have like psychic abilities, there's going to be some tension there. Uh, but yeah, it is funny because Moe's like runs. And then this is when she has the vision of a child being hit by a bus, which I don't love the way they do these visions in this movie because they're very jarring and hard to understand, which is like, you're not supposed to see them clearly, but sometimes they're, they're so weird that i can't even tell what the hell is supposed to be happening like the only one that's like really clear is when she sees that guy with we'll get to it but the guy with the most insane hair i've ever seen in a movie uh she sees uh his wife cheating on him i was like oh well they managed to make that one look a little more vivid where it's just like this woman like riding a guy i was like okay uh but like i didn't even understand that she had seen a bus like hitting somebody i was only able to like put the pieces together when later the mom's like, she saw a child getting hit. None of you were going outside. And uh, like, and so I was like, oh, that was what she saw. Because she was freaking out. And she like essentially ran in front of a bus. And the way it was like cut together, I thought she was like trying to throw herself in front of a bus. Uh-huh. And then she like collapsed. And I was like, what the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> it was a little confusing. <laughs> I, I don't know if you feel the same. You've seen the movie more than I have. But like, I just like, these are my first experiences i'm yeah at this point i'm like used to seeing those flashbacks i think there's something about the style of them though like i just really like yeah it's very specific and unique yeah um yeah that's that's all i really have to say about that um there's a (laughs) i i like this uh i wrote down this line because basically roz is like the kids are staying inside and Sam Jackson's like, I feel bad. I keep calling him Sam. Jackson. He's the only one whose character name I'm not saying, but it's because I never wrote it down. Uh, Lewis. Uh, Lewis. Uh, Doctor. Doctor Baptiste. Uh, Baptiste. Uh, however you say their last name, but he's basically like, that's ridiculous. Keeping him inside all summer because my sister saw a vision, and he has this line where. Uh, my sister is not unfamiliar with the inside of a mental hospital. Right. <laughs> like, damn. <laughs> it's such a, like a weird wordy way to be like, my sister's crazy. Uh, <laughs> well, just, but they're like, they're like, you think they'd be like, oh, stop joking. But they're just kind of like, yeah. 
it's, she has. <laughs> it's funny because if you really think about it, like within the context of this world, and, and I believe the audience is meant to believe that Moe's like d- does have real visions. But if that was something that was really happening, you probably would get stuck in a mental ward occasionally if you were like, Mom, I saw that Dad was going to like get like hit by a car. And the mom's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, take her to a doctor. It's like how that trailer for the new Exorcist movie came out. And it's like, it is funny. Like, if someone was like acting possessed, your first move would be to just take them to the doctor. <laughs> You'd be like, okay, something's wrong with your brain. Let's figure out what's going on here. Yeah. Like, it's just a logical, it's just a fun, it's a, just like a fun little logic bit that I enjoyed. But Roz kind of gets her way. It doesn't help that Lewis simply is never home to even actually fight for the kid's freedom because he's just out probably doing some legit doctor stuff but also just you know stopping every hot woman that he makes house calls to like yeah i have to imagine that within the context of this movie like lewis seems to really get around <laughs> and everybody seems okay with it i'm just like yeah there, if there's ever like a, a vd outbreak in the in the town i think we're gonna know the main, <laughs> the main culprit <laughs> but hey you know whatever whatever works for you <laughs> i have my note here says that uh this is like the montage where they're stuck in the house which is you know like it's a it's a good like chunk of the movie where you're just watching them like sort of stew and not really know what to do with themselves but it was also a funny modern day thing to watch where it's like the amount of days where i've never even left my room because i'm just on my computer (laughs) for like 14 hours to see like these kids have to like stay indoors all day and they're just like simply losing their minds (laughs) yeah um this is kind of like a slow part in the action for the movie this is this is the i've come across my notes that says this is the part where I started Googling Jussie Small. <laughs> so it, may, it makes sense that during this downbeat was when I finally, my, my curiosity broke. <laughs> but uh, totally. Um, it's how many times, like in recent years, have we stayed in the house all day? And, like, mm-hmm. These kids cannot handle it. And I was just like, man, can you, Ross, can you just let them go on the patio? Like, <laughs> like, read a, read a, like you think they could just read a book or something? Like, I don't know. But it is like when you're 10, you want to run around and play yeah. and stuff. And, I do like how much Red acts out through this. Like she's, uh, there's like a really funny runner here where like, I, I got to say this note because there's this scene where Roz is chopping a potato and it was the most insane chopping I've ever seen in a movie in my <laughs> entire fucking life. I'm not kidding you guys. Like if you've never seen this movie, go to like the midpoint where she's chopping this potato. Like everyone knows you like, you like put the knife like on the thing and you like put your like knuckle up against it and you just kind of like slice like gently as you're going along. She's like holding this potato, like half the potato in her hand and she's raising the knife up. Like she's in the fucking Friday the 13th movie and she's just slamming the knife onto this chopping board to like cut this potato up. And I was like, that's crazy. And then of course she cuts herself and I was like, well, at least it makes sense that why they had her cutting this like an insane person. But it was like, it took me out. <laughs> it was so fucking funny the way she was chopping that potato. I was like obsessed with it. I like rewound it. Uh- <laughs> and then he's like, did it hurt? And she's like, what? Your finger. <laughs> uh, Red, like my, my other note here is Red is going fucking nuts. This is where she's just like, being like completely like sassing off to 
her mom and and I think grandma's there too. Yeah. And she's like, I just gotta get out this goddamn house. This damn and they're like, watch your mouth. And but meanwhile, she's like set a fake snake up to scare her brother. Uh-huh. And he's fucking screaming his head off. It's like so chaotic. And and like I was like, Red is just out in outer space yeah, right now. <laughs> Moselle gets there to add to the chaos and it's just a Yeah. And, and then like Sissy's locking herself in the bathroom and they're like screaming at each other because it's like She's like, dad's never home. She's like, well, he's out there. That's why we have four bathrooms. That's why we can afford it. And she's like, you know why he's not home? She basically was like, I know dad's sleeping around. And the mom's like, I can't fucking handle you right now. <laughs> and and Moses just like, Jesus Christ, come here. And like, basically grabs her and like takes her off. I was like, I was like, tensions are running high. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> uh, and this is where red basically tells mo's like i know dad's sleeping around like i was like it's like it was the most obvious thing i've ever seen in my life and her and mo's is kind of like i think this is where yeah nothing quite like 60s just smoking a child's face is where she (laughs) lights up on her and then this is where she tells that fucking crazy story Mm -hmm. uh about because red's always asking her like oh which which of your husbands did you love the most and she's got these little stories and so there's this one of her husbands whose name I'm blanking on, but he seemed to be like a very like buttoned up, closed emotions type guy. Yeah. And she kind of offhandedly goes like, I guess me and your daddy are kind of the same because I kind of fucked around too on my husband. I was seeing this guy and the way you're seeing it visually is she's like looking into this mirror and behind her, you're seeing like kind of blurry but these, the guy that like was her husband and the guy that she was sleeping with are like having this confrontation and it's just like done practically. It's, yeah. it's really fucking cool. It's very cool. Uh, and then like Red even like eventually walks up to the mirror cause like Moe's ends up walking in. I thought they were going to do something a lot trickier, like have her change outfits. Like at the second she stepped off screen with like some sort of hidden cut, but she kind of just walks into the yeah, scene, but, which is fine, which it. is totally fine. Yeah. Uh, I still thought it was super cool, but the long and short of it is like, she was banging this guy because she felt like her husband didn't really love her that much because he, he wasn't very affectionate. Yeah. He wasn't very outward with his emotions. This guy shows up at the house with a gun and he's like, he's like, Moses coming with me. We are, we're in love and you suck. And the husband was just basically like, the fuck you are. He's yeah. like, that's my wife. She's not leaving. And she's basically like, I realized he really did love me and I just, he just didn't know how to express it. It's, it's really, I like this layer because she's not saying it that plainly. You're understanding. Like, I just like, as someone that sometimes has trouble expressing emotions myself, I suddenly had this like immense amount of empathy for this guy where I was like, I've been in relationships where I'm like, I really like you and I, and like, but I'm just not as like affectionate as I probably right. should be. I've been like accused of like just being too calm and like not, you know, I, I, and then I've had some like toxic relationships where it's like, Oh, because I'm not screaming at you every other night. You don't think like I care, like yeah. Like uh, so, but but I I I kind of go completely the opposite. So it's 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 weird. But like I just I really got this guy, and then she kind of decides to stand by him. But unfortunately, that's just a fucking death sentence for this dude. Yeah, Jose is like fine. (laughs) It's crazy. I I I audibly gasped because I was like. Oh, she stood by him. That's cool. But I was like, but doesn't he die? And then, like, yeah. as I was thinking that, the guy just fucking plugs one right into his chest. I was like, God damn. Like, 
that was crazy it's a really great monologue just just a fucking stellar scene all around oh yeah it's like shocking you're just like jesus and also like when you think about moselle it's like her husband was just like blown away right in front of her like that's pretty fucking crazy yeah uh, <laughs> i don't know man i was like okay this movie's getting a little nuts well, yeah <laughs> uh we have my note holy fuck her husband actually got shot this woman is bad news <laughs> um, black widow kind of like i said she definitely could have played that situation like i get what she was doing symbolically by standing beside him but I'm like, she could have diffused the situation instead of just being like, it was really cool that he was willing to die over me. And then he just literally does. <laughs> like, mm. I don't know. So I think, I think Moz has got some, uh, Moz has got some issues, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> but, uh, I, I have a chunk here that just says, I think it's like, they're all waiting for dad to come back home. He keeps showing up late at night, but sissy's waiting for him. But uh -huh. then, but then red's there too. So he kind of is like, Oh, uh, both of you need to go to bed. And you see Sissy's mad that Red's like horning in on her dad time and stuff. And uh, I was like, oh, it's like, you know, again, it just was like good. Like the absent parent weirdly gets the more most, love. Yeah, most attention. It's like the mom's, you know, keeping them trapped inside and she's evil and she's the one yeah. that's always there, even though she's the one that's actually taking care of them. And like the, the mom is like a pretty tragic figure i would say in all of this <laughs> and cicely makes a comment to the mom of you're gonna have him divorce us yeah yeah because like sissy and the mom are clashing super hard now yeah. too because because the mom's like hey not very cool that you're just like everyone in town knows you're just going and sleeping around on me this is kind of fucked but because the the kids love their dad so much they're like don't be mean to daddy and it's like dude <laughs> <laughs> like uh and it's again it's like I, I like the way the movie presents it because it's very fragmented and through the eyes of a child where it's like you don't fully understand what's happening from her perspective but you you know something's wrong and the movie really captures that vibe yeah. really well uh, <laughs> but yeah no you're you're so right to point that out <laughs> like you're you're gonna have dad divorce us they say she says divorce us it's crazy yeah because i'm just like no not divorce you divorce us i'm just like oh <laughs> um there's a chunk here that doesn't matter that much but i'm just gonna note it uh mose basically starts a subplot with this guy julian who shows up to like be like i don't know where my wife is and she's like i'll be your new wife uh, <laughs> but not really but like i i this guy it could be his real hair, but I can't, I can't get over this dude's hair. It's not. So this guy <laughs> is, um, Vondi Curtis Hall. Um, <laughs> he looks he, super familiar. Well, he's actually married to Casey. Oh, really? Yeah. And still married today. And he is Dr. Hugo. Oh, really? Yeah. So, um, so like as an actor, he's fine. It's just the choice to give him, if you've never seen the movie, he has this like fucking, like this wig, this like crazy gray long gray hair straw looking hair like he has this hat on and he, like takes it off and i like literally laughed out loud <laughs> i was like how could you do this to this man like just like it, it's so hard to take their relationship seriously because his hair is so fucking, it, it fucking crazy it kind of looks like it's like a, a fake um you know soap opera scene like yeah like like guy from the rain is gonna save this day, yeah you know? and, and this guy seems to be like a really upstanding guy like yeah. to pay her for because he, he's missing his wife and she basically is like yep she's banging someone else and he's kind of like oh that sucks i'll do a painting of you and of course they hook up or whatever 
And just to, just to touch on it while we're here, like basically the only other thing that really happens with them is like, she's like, we can't get married. I'm a black widow. And he's basically like, I don't give a shit. She's like, cool. That's really where that plot goes for the most part. Um, Then, well, just to touch on him real quick, he's also a director. Oh, really? Um, He directed the masterpiece, the Mariah Carey movie. You know what that's called? No, no. Glitter. <laughs> oh god <laughs> i know that i thought there was something else that he directed i know this director she did like the harriet movie somewhat recently and she has like a whitney houston movie that she did uh so like she's working still which is cool but yeah can't marry black widow oh yeah this is the uh this is the chunk where cicely's missing and and the mom's like on the phone being like, I don't know where she's at. Like she's like real, real quick before we get there, just to back up a little bit. We're kind of done with Moselle. The for the rest of the film. Well, she pops in to like give red advice occasionally. She's got a couple of really good monologues still. Yeah. But like, like she whole... has like this great monologue about like the afterlife and how if it's all just a cosmic joke, it seems really sad and stuff. But I mean, yeah, she doesn't really have a lot of, but like her black widowness and all this. So yeah. like, did she kill her husband's? We're just kind of done with it. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of, it felt like we spent a lot of time building up her character to just kind of have her. She just kind of drifts into the back half of the movie. Yeah. Cause I'm just like, cause <laughs> that's just kind of like very un, like an unanswered question for me, but yeah. Yeah. It, it does add to like the vignette nature of the movie where it feels like, well, this is the chunk again. That's why it feels like a book. Yeah. Cause it feels like this is the chunk of the memoir where red was hanging out with aunt Moselle a lot. And then she gets embroiled with a lot of stuff at home here pretty soon. Yeah. And maybe she's not spending as much time with her aunt. So that's why the aunt sort of takes a back seat in the back half of the film, which would fit like a book or like a memory, but for a movie structurally, it's a little wonky. Yeah. Like you feel like maybe you want to space the Moselle stuff out a little bit more, but that's a good point <laughs> i still love her as a character though even. oh yeah definitely <laughs> definitely enjoyable character um but yeah sicily find out that she just was so tired of being cooped up she went and visited the dad mm -hmm. and got her hair done um hair done to look exactly like her mom yeah <laughs> uh which will that'll be an interesting reflection here very <laughs> soon uh mom psh, slaps her just well, she did. She said she did. It was a great line. She's like, "Mom, I left the house and I didn't get hit by anything." And that was the. <laughs> yeah. Then she got hit by something. Yeah, she, she did get. Hit. <laughs> she gets fucking smacked. Uh, Sissy doesn't take it very well. I think I think Red tries to comfort her a little bit, but uh, we're we're gonna get a chunk here where Sissy withdraws and we're not really sure why because it seems like oh she got her period and like yeah maybe she's like depressed over that well which eve is not kind to at all no. uh but <laughs> she is possessed and, and was sicily's trying to clear in her yard for pointing out that she's had her period <laughs> yeah uh but really importantly before we get to that little chunk i think it's my only all caps i have i have two all caps notes here one okay. of them is just lmao at the very end of the movie because of something that happens but the other all caps note i have is holy fuck are they celebrating a child being run over and it turns out yes yes in, they, yeah because in, in i was like I, I was like i have to be wrong about what's happening right now but then finally 
I think the grandma is like, yeah, the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> and I was like, they were celebrating a child being run over because uh, a kid in town gets hit by a bus. And they're basically like, the vision came true, but it wasn't one of you. We're free now. So the kids are excited to be loose. And the mom's like, it's funny because it's like, I understand why they're happy that the kids are still alive, but they literally are celebrating a child's death uh, and i was like this movie is fucking insane <laughs> the, the grandma calls it out and then the mom is just kind of like well whose kid was it and they say whose kid she's like oh and it was just kind of like pan out <laughs> it's fucking crazy uh, but yeah i just like i just remember being like that can't be what's happening and finally the grandma's like what the hell are you guys doing and i was just like oh my god this is dark uh but yeah so this is when we get into the period stuff where Sissy's like hiding in the, is basically Red's like, oh, we can go play. So she goes to tell Sissy the yeah. good news and Sissy's like under the covers and she tries to like pull her out and then Sissy fucking shoves her super hard. Like it look, looks brutal. But then when Red hits the floor, she finds like the blood stained underwear and she starts teasing Sissy like, ha 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 ha, you got your period. She runs downstairs and like starts announcing it. Sissy fucking chases her out of the yard and tackles her and just starts choking her yeah like, loses her mind yeah it's... she is possessed <laughs> it's really crazy uh we uh red uh who i, I really like red as a character because she's she's a really complicated character because like i said she is capable of such like deep empathy for sissy in certain moments and like she cares about her family obviously but then she'll also do shit like steal a pineapple she'll just be like how much is this pineapple and the guy's like 25 cents she's like that's too much and she just takes it i was like holy shit did she just steal that uh, uh but then she sees elzora and she elzora is like bad girl and literally like freezes her in her tracks and i was just like but it's funny because it's like it seems like elzora is fucking with her but she kind of saves her because like red was not getting away with stealing that pineapple but, but because she stopped the guy just catches up to her and goes, give me that fucking pineapple and like <laughs> takes it back. But I was just like, it's just a really weird scene. Cause like Red is like, it's establishing Red seeing Elzora and like knowing about her existence. But yeah, I don't know what you thought about this little chunk. <laughs> plus, plus I just feel like too, the Eve is known in town. So I'm like, if like you steal a pineapple, I'm pretty sure your parents are going to be notified a little bit later. Yeah. It's like, it's like, gosh, the, the little girl with the bright red hair stole a pineapple from me. Who, the, who will I blame for this? The the, the daughter of the doctor. Like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like they know who you are. Uh my note here just says sissy sad about period or depressed, maybe because this is this is the part where I was like, I don't know what's good. Why I was like I was like, oh maybe she's just like I was like, oh maybe this will be because this is like where the hope my hopeful brain because well, I'm looking at my next note. Well <laughs> then I was a little confused because Lewis is called in as a doctor but it's like you live there right but it's kind of like seeing like oh well i'm just here for a house call and i'm well yeah it's basically like she has your period and they're like well your dad can see you but then she's like really weird about her dad looking at her and he's kind of like oh it's fine we can find another doctor but sissy's just like i don't want it to be you she's like really she's not like responding to anything they're like having discussions about how she's not talking and i was like basically where my brain was at in this part because we've gotten deep enough into the movie that i was like don't think anything too crazy is gonna happen uh-huh so i was like oh maybe this will be a chunk that deals with like mental health and like her sister had like depression and didn't know how to deal with it and that's like something the family goes through but no 
Uh, instead, <laughs> we get my note here says, oh God, this is going where I thought it was going the whole time. Fuck, 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 <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck. Because uh, big spoilers for the movie, guys. But like, basically, like they ask Sissy, like, we could like send you away if you want. And she just, she just kind of goes, yeah, I'm cool with that. And Red is really upset that her sister's leaving the house and she's basically like grilling her like fucking tell me what's wrong and she's like crying and i think it's one of the scenes you're talking about where journey is maybe running around megan a little bit in terms of like the acting or whatever but finally yeah this one and you know <laughs> when we get towards the end like one of the final scenes but yeah but eventually she's able to pry out of sis that god i don't even want to talk about it it's so it's so gnarly uh big spoilers guys and then also if you have like issues with like you know uh older people doing inappropriate things with younger people maybe close your ears off for a second but basically sissy tells a story that she heard mom and dad get in a fight and so she went down to like sort of like talk to the dad and then the dad was drunk and she sort of sat on his lap and then gave him like seemingly an innocent kiss and then it starts to kind of get a little intense and uh from her perspective and this will be important like for the end of the movie but from the story that sissy's telling the dad was the aggressor um and then like uh she tried to get away from him and he like slapped her and she ran away and that's the real not her period and not like mental stuff it, that's why she's all fucked up and doesn't know what to do and she's like kind of shutting down basically and super cool with like once just get the fuck out of the house because she can't like deal with what happened or whatever uh red is hearing upon hearing this understandably distraught and literally says she will murder him uh which again is like talking a little bit about the uh highs and lows of siblinghood of like going from being choked by this girl like two days ago to being like I will kill someone on your behalf. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> big, big change up. But it is like, if that was your sister and you heard that that happened, you probably would have a very strong response to that. <laughs> but this is like the thing that I was pretty sure was going to happen in the movie, but I was just really crossing my fingers it wouldn't. And then it did. And I was like, damn it. We didn't get out of this movie without it. Uh, to be fair, though, it's not as, you know, nasty as it could have been. It could have been much, much worse. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> and then the, the layer of ambiguity makes it like. Yeah. I hesitate to use the phrase interesting, but it does like add this layer of like, is it even as icky as we were initially presented with? Or was it just a like a miscommunication type thing or just a was it a confused person that was in a situation or was he really a monster like by the end of the movie we'll have some doubt thrown at us in terms of that like i assume and i'm uh now that we've mentioned it i have to i have to assume this is part of what some of the like tiktoks and stuff you were seeing were addressing so i don't know like would this be a good time to bring up some of that yeah we can bring up some of that because there are a lot of people that are you know in this me too moment saying that this happens all the time. This is clearly an example of, you know, of a father trying to commit incest and everything. Yeah. And then you have, you know, red pill people saying that this is obviously not the case because we've already been through some of this part in the movie 
Cicely thinks she's an adult. She's talking back to her mother. She's yeah. She's demanding that the adults go inside because they're drunk. She's not just disregarding them. She's trying to be, you know, the the woman to her father in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like the story where he's like telling her of how they conceived the son. You know, did you? Uh, that might have been the director's cut. I don't know if he's maybe. Yeah, I think I would. Even though, like I said, some of the dialogue I wasn't catching. I think I would have probably noticed. Like I'm thinking, I was like, that might have been. <laughs> but yeah, so you have the, he's having adult conversations with her, uh-huh. and it's like she that 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 line of like he's going to divorce us. It could be seen that you know she was going in there to make a move on the father because she wanted to keep him at home. Well, there's also like an interesting layer with her character to where. You're so right to point out that she's presenting as an adult to a certain extent. She, even though she's the older sister, she sometimes has more motherly vibes towards her siblings at times because there's a bit of an age gap too. Yeah. But it's like there's a letter that you find out that Lewis wrote at the end of the movie. And he says, like, you know, she's just confused. And I wish I would have been more calm and just explained, like, you're just confused. You're having these feelings that you don't know what to deal with. And it is like, like, I don't, I mean, do we see another boy in this movie? That's her age. I don't think so. No. And so it's like, you could see how maybe these different things could have manifested themselves and caused her to be for lack of a better term, the aggressor in the situation. And that's what makes the, it's tough. It's like, I really respect this movie for, having the balls for lack of a better term to throw ambiguity to such a volatile situation because that's what makes it thought provoking uh whereas like i think i assume what you're saying from like you've presented these two sides of this tiktok argument that are very like it's either this or this uh and it's like i've always been like i I feel like we're heading in this direction in in terms of like media where people just interpret everything literally like everything's literal. There's no such thing as metaphor anymore. Everything just means what it means. Nothing can be like characters can't be morally gray in movies anymore. Like it's like people would watch this movie and be like, Sam Jackson is an abuser and he's a piece of shit. And right. he, he deserved to die. Right. And like, that's just where they'll land. Like, and, it's, and, and no one today's world. <laughs> oh, he played that role too well for it to not be him. for. <laughs> no, that's such a good point. Cause oh. like, like you can't even like, you can't even like play like a bad guy in a movie now, or people will be like, Oh, the, he, he was, he was a little too good at being bad. It's like, yeah, it's called acting. Like what the fuck? Right. Uh, <laughs> like, I'd, yeah. Well also like he would, he would probably, if he, you know, he did, kiss a 15 year old in a movie that he executive produced so it's like eh, yeah. it's a little weird but uh um, and then also like we have these two sides and but to bring up um uncle tommy who like in the movie and at the end there is just a brief like flashback of that sn- that rainstorm lightning reflecting off his face and him being in the room what is the other side and I think that's something that people have kind of like, cause like you said, like they commented, like Tommy knows, does he know something completely different or is it one side versus the other? It's very interesting because it makes you wonder, like, is there something completely different to happen? Yeah. <laughs> cause it's like the other thing is the movie, the way the movie ends is it's commenting on memory and how it's shaky. And cause it's like 
Brad basically come, comes up to Sissy and she's like, you fucking lied and you got dad killed. Because uh, we'll get into that in a second. Yeah. But, but then Sissy seems to be very sincere in saying like, I genuinely am not sure what happened anymore. Yeah. I don't even know if I can trust my own brain. And so it creates this really interesting murky situation where it's like, because usually they, they, they always, there's that saying, right? They're like, there's, there's their side, that side, and then the truth. Because like no side is ever fully true because the way people perceive things and the way they interpret things. So like, you know, I think if there's anything to be, there's nothing, you shouldn't be trying to be definitive about this movie, but if there is a definitive angle to this movie, I think that chances are it wasn't one way or the other. It was like a mix of both probably. Like the dad is drunk and a womanizer and the daughter has an absentee father that she has feelings for. Like there's probably like a weird mix. Uh, if anything and this is kind of <laughs> jumping ahead but you know we've kind of just to go through it um eve is b- believing everything cecily says yeah on that story but we go back to the beginning of the film cecily told you what you saw was not what you saw right. even though you saw it yeah so if you're like why would you believe her when you already know that you can't really trust what she says because sometimes she doesn't know (laughs) i was kind of shocked at the fact like because they love their father so much i was a little surprised that eve takes sissy's side so readily yeah uh but then it is like and we'll 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 talk through this chunk because i do find it very interesting but then when push comes to shove turns out maybe she didn't really want her father dead and 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 honestly i think we can kind of uh i've been kind of precious about going through this chunk but i think i think for me the back half of this movie what's interesting is so sissy leaves and red is like vowing revenge on her dad yes so much so that she like steals some money finds out from moe's like how to do a voodoo doll she's like she's got this big plan she's gonna make a voodoo doll out of their dad and she's gonna go see el zora to do it there's a great scene where she like pays elzora 20 bucks elzora's like oh shit all right uh, <laughs> right come by the house she's like i'm gonna need your hair she's like already got it elzora's like all right look at you or whatever but and she, uh she's like you sure you don't want to kill moselle <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but the thing is be- right before that when she's sort of like looking for elzora she's at that market right and who does she run into but mr moreau uh, roger smith <laughs> Quick aside, have you have you not seen Roger Smith in any? He was another one that looked really familiar to me. Okay, uh, but he's in a lot of Spike uh, Lee movies. Okay, sure, yeah. And his I, his as soon as I saw his face, I was like, "You look so familiar." Then I wouldn't say like towards the early two thousands, he kind of switched to being uh, American the, Gangster, a, a villain. Right thing, yeah, King of New York, all about the Benjamins. Uh, he, I mean, he's got, he's in some good ass movies. Yeah. But uh, I was just wondering. He, he got game. That's, that's a fun one. Yeah. What a wild movie. That Spike, is. Spike Lee. <laughs> but yeah, but I was like, I was wondering, I, yeah, I was just kind of like popped in my head. I was like, haven't seen him before. <laughs> uh, definitely. It says here, his name's Roger Gwenver Smith. Uh, yeah. Roger Gwenver Smith. Okay. I think. Uh, I guess he has like a, one of those like triple name things going well, on. I, th- I would imagine Roger Smith is probably a name of many actors. <laughs> uh, but so she's like, uh, she's like we said, we've seen Eve capable of, she's obviously smarter than she seems. Like, yeah. for, especially for, she's very smart for a 10 year old. She's aware of the world around her if she is still a child, which is what makes these kids really complex. It's because like 
she's smart, but she still is like, you know, subject to the, the whims of being an emotional child to a certain extent. But she sees this guy and whether it's out of like spite for her father in the moment or just like some sort of like snotty brattiness towards this guy not being able to like, like maybe she blames him a little bit for his wife sleeping around. Like, I don't know. There's like a lot of ways you could sort of interpret this, but by the end of the movie, and again, big spoilers for the movies guys. Uh, but she essentially signs her father's death warrant right here, right now, uh, by talking to this guy and she's like, Oh, you're gone all the time, huh? Well, your wife doesn't really seem like a lonely type person. And my dad's not really a lonely type person either. She basically was like unsubtly, like my dad is sleeping with your wife and you're just gone all the time. And you see him on his face, putting the puzzle pieces together. Uh, and (laughs) it's because of her doing this that leads to the final confrontation of the movie. But it's also like, how did he not know? They're not hiding. They, they, we saw it. they're out in bars together, kissing each other. Yeah, like, I think I, I think it kind of goes hand in hand with like the a lot of this movie has to do with like open secrets uh, and stuff. And it's like there's a lot of things in this movie that people know are happening, but they're not willing to confront it. And the only that finally bubbles over when you know a lot of times it's Red herself in the movie that sort of like shines a mirror, like hey you know your wife's sleeping around and, and <laughs> you're letting her sleep around and my, my day you're you're like you can sense like the anger from her it's like your wife is ruining my family by seducing my dad because of course she's you know probably thinking like again it's complicated like and so my point being like her saying this to lenny in this moment is what leads to the final confrontation of the movie which i think is very interesting like metaphorically because she's really on a journey to go talk to this voodoo lady to get a voodoo doll of her dad. And that's what she's trying to do. But on her way to do that, she causes, she sets in motion this chain reaction, which is, I believe, why she says, like, because uh, it's like, oh, when she talks to the lady later, the lady's like, I fed your dad's name to a snake and buried it, or his hair to a snake and buried it. And he's going to die. And the movie opens with her being like, I was 10 years old the summer I killed my father. But you know, deep down, upon reflection she probably was able to do the math of like i got under this guy's skin and that's why he came to the bar looking for his wife that night Uh. when he wasn't even supposed to be home because presumably he said like i'm gonna be staying at the school for the weekend and the wife was like cool i'm gonna be at the bar fucking lewis (laughs) uh and he was actually and then he's probably up there stewing and he finally was just thinking about what red said and just said fuck it and and marches to the bar and that's where the big confrontation happens so again if you guys haven't seen the movie like the chain of events basically is like red tells Mrs. Monroe's husband, my dad's sleeping with your wife. Then she goes and talks to the voodoo lady and she thinks she's going to get a voodoo doll. But then when she goes back later, the lady's like, I fed his hair to a snake and buried at his death warrant signed. And she's immediately freaked out. Cause I think again, she maybe didn't necessarily want her father to die. She wanted the voodoo doll. She wanted that control right. over him. Cause she wasn't so, so much after killing him as she was like, controlling him like trying to bring him back into her life in a way she's just looking for any semblance of control so that goes i don't know maybe maybe you think i'm wildly off on that i don't know (laughs) no no i think that's very valid because it's like you wanted you said you wanted your dad dead yeah why you went to her and then like she put the things in motion and you're upset now yeah that was just kind of weird it's just like the the rashness of a child but then like 
now that it's being presented as a reality, she's like, oh no, what have I done? And then at some point here, we have, um, I forget where this happened at, but Moselle tried to read the thoughts of Eve. Yeah. Eve, Eve blocked her from viewing it. And you could tell that Moselle was upset because she knew something pretty horrible was going yeah, cause on. Yeah, because she, she senses like, because like, <laughs> there's a pretty weird moment where uh, Sissy's leaving yeah. and she does like the very classic shush. Yeah. I'm holding a finger to my lips right now. Uh, that's great audio podcasting, but, uh, and Moselle sees it and she's like, yo, uh, what's going on with that? And she tries to get it out of red and she finally says, fuck it, I'll read your mind. And then red blocks her. And she immediately is just like, fine, you don't tell me if you don't want to, yeah. which again, I'm glad you brought right. that up. Cause I didn't, it didn't even occur to me why that, cause yeah. Cause it kind of triggers that letter. Yeah, cause like... red has powers and like, okay, yeah. I didn't even I didn't even get that honestly. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. <laughs> Sorry, what were you saying? Oh no, no, no. But um it kind of also triggers that letter that we see at the end of the movie. Yeah, because clearly Moselle eventually, eventually puts the pieces together and like accuses him of being like, Hey, like what the fuck happened? And yeah. that's part of the letter. It's like, I can't believe you would accuse me of that, but I'm finally calm enough to which that's very classic, like abuser language at the top of that letter is all like how dare you even question my character and blah 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 it's like dude like <laughs> make sure you know your wife <laughs> like if, if you were a genuinely an upstanding guy i don't think you would have been so triggered uh by that it's that's just, right <laughs> I've, uh, there was like a well then there i mean then there's like again i kind of wish you had seen the director's cut but then there's like un he kind of talks um a little little nasty atomi He's like, I guess I'll go take him on a walk or a roll. I'll roll. I'm like, dang, dang, Sam. <laughs> That's kind of fucked up. <laughs> I'm like, God dang. But yeah. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's not as upstanding as he tried to portray. Uh, but yeah, this, this series of notes is fun where it's, I have, what the hell, Red just completely fucked up Maddie's husband, which is like, just like the look on his face as she's like, going in like not subtly but subtly enough that she's not specifically saying it. it's a really well done scene when she like tells lenny like what's been going on and just he just has to stand there and take it from a 10 year old it's it's yeah. pretty great but yeah. this sequence of events is pretty funny where i guess she did get her dad killed after all by mouthing off because essentially after elzora's like i fed his hair to a snake he's gonna die she runs to the bar where she knows her dad is and he's in there with maddie and she's like dad i was so scared i thought you weren't and he's just like, I love his bewilderment where he's just like, did you walk here? Did you walk? Why are you? What the hell? Like, he's just genuinely confused. It's really good. But he sends her outside. He's basically like, I'll take you home. I just need to finish up with Matt, which I was like, what are you guys going to go do it in the restroom? Like, just take your fucking daughter. Maybe. Home, dude. maybe. <laughs> and she gives Maddie to look like, ha ha ho. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but when Red's outside, she sees Lenny very, very ominously coming down these railroad tracks very great shot uh and she's like oh fuck and like <laughs> lenny bursts in he sees uh lewis sort of cupping maddie's chin they have a big old confrontation and like my notes were basically like uh i guess she did get her dad killed after all oh i guess he isn't gonna kill him yet oh i guess i typed that too soon because <laughs> like the, the, the ebb and flow of the scene is he's like you talk to my wife again i'll fucking kill you but then he walks out and then Sam Jackson's like, oh, okay, whatever. And then he walks out 
and then they're still kind of outside. So they have like a second confrontation and Lewis just blows him off again, kind of like he did with the drunk yeah. brother early in the movie. And then as they're walking, he's like, I'm telling you, talk to her again, I'll kill you. And I was just like, leave it alone, man. And then he's just got to sneak one last thing in there. He's just like, bye, Maddie. And then you just see the gun in the waistband and you're like, <laughs> which I give, I will give Lewis this. <laughs> in the split second moment where he sees a gun come out and he's about to be shot, his instinct is to push his daughter out of the way. So mm-hmm. minor amount of credit to, to Lewis there for being like my kid and pushing her out of the way. <laughs> uh, super fucked up of Lenny. I, I assume I understand he's unhinged at this moment, but yeah. just, just fire in a direction that a 10 year old is standing. Like what the fuck dude? Right. Uh, very, uh, they, but, they, I, but I mean, the way she tried to blow up his spot, I, you know, he, he ain't got no love for her either. So that's very fair. <laughs> that's very fair. Uh, they do this in a really cinematic way where the train starts to go by right as the gunshots are yep, happening. Yep. It's it's pretty cool. Uh, it is just like also like Lenny's like definitely going to prison for life now. Like the wasn't even subtle about just murdering a man in cold blood. That kind of like made me, that kind of made me wonder too. I was just like, given the time period, would he gone to jail or would he just like, Oh, go back and teach. Yeah. Because I'm like, cause there's also no mention of the man that, I mean, I guess there wouldn't be that killed Moselle's husband. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. I'm assuming he'd go to jail, but I'm like, also it just seems like, Kind of maybe not. <laughs> I thought for sure when they were doing the mirror scene, we were going to see that guy kill himself too. Yeah, that would have been like a like Arthur. She would just be like, he turned the gun and pulled the trigger, and then he put it in his own mouth and pulled the trigger. Like I assumed the guy like killed himself, but because I was like kind of suspicious of you to have gotten out of that one scot free there, Moselle. Like right, like a guy just got murdered five feet away from you, and you just got out of it no problem. Right, like, presumably he would have been just as upset with you, but uh, yeah. So I don't know, and like. I don't know. We we don't really know the fate of Lenny and Maddie. Uh, we just kind of cut to the funeral. <laughs> cut to it, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, like everyone's, you know, sissy is like so inconsolable that 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 Ma, Moses, uh, crazy haired boyfriend is actually. I noticed he's the one that like carries her away. Yeah, I was kind of like good for you but also why the fuck are you here? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like the well respected. Uh, dick doctor of the town has been buried and i kind of was like oh wow that's a sad ending but the movie's got just a little one one last little trick up its sleeve to play red's sort of bopping around lewis's office and she finds this letter that he had written to mose and basically the letter is his interpretation of the events that happened with sissy and from his perspective he was just drunk and his daughter like came down to like comfort him and he was like oh my daughter's being nice to me that's nice and then she came on to him and he reacted violently and he claims like i really wish i hadn't have done that i should have like she was just confused and i'm afraid that we'll forever have a rift between us and i'm so it's my biggest regret in life and uh-huh. and, and i really was like oh shit because like you know as a first time viewer i was just like okay this is a really sudden last minute revelation that i don't know how to interpret and you know red is mad she confronts sissy and we've already sort of talked about all this but essentially she's just like uh you lied and sissy's like i don't think i did but maybe i I don't fucking even know anymore and Uh and you know red like hugs her and just goes like it's okay it's okay and then we get some we get the vo sort of like 
mirrors the opening view of like memories of fragments and yeah. you don't really understand but and then the movie just kind of like plays like a jazzy tune and the credits hit and i was just like oh god okay yeah. jesus like it's a very interesting dark ambiguous ending uh to what seems like a, like in some regards like kind of a coming of age movie but it's just very, yeah, very in many ways yeah very sad and dour here at the end but kind of sped through some of it but like is there any like big overarching points or anything to say about like the ambiguity of the ending that you wanted to, to get in? I just want to know your thought. Do you, which side do you tend to believe? Uh, I have to, I just have to think that if Lewis was truly innocent and in all of that, as far as what happened with Sissy, I feel like there, he could have made some steps to solve the situation. Okay. So, like if you asked me to pick a side, I feel like if there wasn't some true like guilt aside from like him slapping her, he could have like figured out how to rectify that situation. And still there was time to have the supposed talk that he claims like he should have had with her. And the fact that he didn't like, that's an extreme ball drop. And the fact that he didn't makes me be like, well, do you feel a little more complicit in this situation than you're letting on? And is that why you're not, taking any steps to address it or is sissy really just that closed off that you haven't had a chance to rectify it you know, like he seems perfectly fine with like fuck it send her away so it's like well what's yeah. going on here you know like he says in the letter like i have to be hero to women it's like i know i have this flaw like he's perfectly fine admitting like the womanizing and the, and the going out on his wife's stuff so at least he's honest about that. But yeah, I don't know. I like that it's super ambiguous. It doesn't really give you... And I like that Red just kind of goes... She's like somehow mature enough to be like, I guess what's done is done. And I can either like hold a grudge against you for the rest of our lives or I can just support you and we can just try to move forward together. You uh -huh. get a great shot like of the mom with the three kids in the bed towards the end oh, of the yeah. movie. Yeah. Just like holding them close. And it's just, again, just really really uh sad tragic character the, the Roz, uh a little underserved in the movie but she does a good job of like giving the character a lot of empathy and pathos and stuff but also um just to throw it out director's cut there are a few scenes with Roz and lewis that are cut out okay um there's like that scene where he comes in and sees the three women and it's like they're they're always mad oh i did see that scene okay yeah uh, but the, after that scene there is a scene of her looking sad in like the living room and him going and you know kind of forcing himself on her and they're ma them making out and oh, kind of making up okay so it's kind of like it, it, so it's like kind of nice to throw in there that like because I, I don't think it's served enough in the um theater cut that there's a, probably a little more romance than yeah than we saw um yeah you feel like it's one of those things where you, you know and even lewis is like your mother's the most beautiful person in the world and you think he loves her he just has this fatal character flaw right uh and it's just like it truly fatal <laughs> uh like he's not a good guy yeah but do i wish what i've been perfectly fine with this movie not adding the wrinkle of like uh potential like molestation or whatever yeah yeah like I said, I thought the drama was working fine without it, but uh -huh. I understand why she would include it and what she's trying to say with it. And again, I really do respect the choice to leave it so open to interpretation. I think it's interesting and it is like, it's tough because it's like, we've been presented, like you, like you mentioned, like we've had this 
sort of movement that's like been labeled the me too movement yeah um and it's like in my opinion been a largely positive movement because there's people are yeah. starting to feel more confident and like this horrible thing happened to me and i've always felt either ashamed or too scared to talk about it and i am very like i believe victims first the problem is every once in a while someone will i mean it's weirdly appropriate that like Jesse Smollett was like a topic of conversation uh -huh. during this episode because that was a very crazy ass case where we all like were like holy shit f fuck MAGA I can't believe they who would they would literally try to lynch you in the middle of the street that's fucking crazy right and then of course you would support someone that that happened to and then you get this horrible rug pull moment where it's like oh no you lied and set that up and it's like yeah it's like and you know, like you talked about like the red pill people, they'll say like, well, they're all, they're all lying and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, they're not. No, they're not. Like there, there are a lot of horrible, abusive people and we need to do our best to step up and like take care of people. It's like, I guess the real question is like, if I was Lewis's friend or brother and I was presented with some of the things that he was at least accused of doing in this movie, it's like, like, what is your responsibility as a person in that situation? I suppose like. I don't know what I would do. Like if he was my good friend, but then like I was talking to Moe's and she's like, something happened with him and his daughter. And I don't a hundred percent know what, but it was not good. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I guess you just probably go up to him and try to get the truth. But then he would just say like his version. And then like, where do you go from there? <laughs> it's a really complicated situation and it's a rare movie that will present you with such a complicated situation. So I, I really respect that. Like, I don't know if you have a true answer to what you would do, like, because I, 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 I can say confidently, I have no clue. <laughs> yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's tough, it's a, but but even if you strip it back one step before that, of like, if Lewis was my friend, I knew he was just going around town fucking other women and like, sort of, uh, slowly unraveling his family. I like to think I'd be like, hey man, can you like stop yeah. or like. Yeah. Just, just like get the divorce at this point or like what are we doing here right like, and then they'll be like well can't we're gonna ruin my family it's like you're already ruining your family <laughs> like like uh, but some but you know i think we're all occasionally guilty of like letting our friends slide a little bit when maybe we shouldn't <laughs> yeah we definitely like turn a blind eye to some of our, the flaws in our friends I've, I've definitely been guilty of that uh it's you'd like to think you'd do the right thing but when you're presented with certain situations i I've certainly had friends before that have displayed toxic behaviors that I've just been like, well, that laser is not pointed at me currently. So <laughs> fuck it. <Yeah. laughs> do you have any big notes or final thoughts on the film before we do like ratings and recommendations and all that? Um, just from the question I want to, this question I want to give you. Um, so did he die because of his own actions? Did he die because of Eve or did he die because of what Elzora did? Because just to kind of bring it back, Elzor did tell Roz before everything, you'll be happy in three years. Yeah. Your children. <laughs> That's before anything. Then you have Eve who did put that, you know, that, that, that bug in Lenny's ear before actually meeting for Elzora to do the voodoo. Right. So, but then Elzora actually did do the voodoo with the hair and the snake. I'm inclined, like, I'm inclined to say he's responsible for his own actions. Like 
Because on on multiple levels, because first off, he could have just not said good night, Maddie. Yeah, he might have still been alive. Like in the true, like literal, like could have just shut the fuck up and walked away. Like I was letting you walk away. It's probably kinder than he could have been. He like could have just came in and beat you up or shot you. But he was like, basically, was like, you've been fucking my wife. Just don't anymore. And all he had to do was be like, okay, the game is over. But he. He couldn't, he couldn't let that be. He didn't respect Lenny. But it's like, he was, yeah, he's, he was doing the behaviors in the first place. He shouldn't have been doing it. It's like, don't get me wrong. This isn't some sort of like indictment on like, people can have open relationships, but it's all about consent and communication. And this says, this is like nowhere within the realm of, of that. Like no one is happy about any of the things that are going on. It's all just like lying and cheating and bad stuff. And so, yeah, it's like on, to a certain degree, yes, red stirred the pot but that was a pot the the kettle the water the soup the vegetables the meat that was all lewis provided (laughs) all red did was like stir the spoon a little bit and it was gonna boil over no matter what at some point would it necessarily have led to his death maybe i mean the fact of the matter is he was sleeping with someone's wife who was capable of murdering him uh and yes that's certainly not red's doing there so in fact red almost inadvertently should have it's like i feel like if you get caught in the garage with the woman it's maybe a, the sign to be like eh maybe this isn't the greatest idea right. which that's another thing is like don't get me wrong like and this i apologize to the audience if this is like too tmi or anything but it's like i understand being like oh yeah i'm really attracted to this person or i'm really like pent up in this moment but i sometimes just when i see movies like because this is such a staple of movies of like people like being so like oh yeah let's just go to the garage and fuck right now like I just, I'm like, I just can't even imagine being in that situation of just being like, yeah, like my entire family's 20 yards right. away from it's us. in his <laughs> house and everyone in his house is at home. He's like, but I'm, I'm just so horny. I'm going to fuck you in the garage right now. It's just crazy to me. <laughs> like, yeah. like the doctor's visit stuff, I kind of get, I guess. It's just like, I don't know, man. It's just like, keep it in your fucking pants, dude. Like, but it's just, I don't know. I don't really get infidelity and stuff like, I feel like speaking of like TikTok generation, like I feel like the people have like terms, like it's, it's like evolved beyond like side chick and things like that, where it's just like, there's a whole like generation of people that are just like, it's just understood. They all cheat on each other. Kind yeah. Of. Like it's, it's, it's very weird. It's very weird. It's <laughs> like, I just hear things of like, it's okay if you cheat just as long as you don't embarrass me. Yeah. And I'm just like, Oh, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> like I saw this crazy and, and you never know what's manufactured and what's not, but it's like, I saw this one that was like, it's like, you're, you, you're making me, you're embarrassing me. And he's like, he's like, I'm not even your boyfriend. I'm just the side guy. And she's like, well, you're making me look stupid. He's like, you're the one that's cheating. Like, uh, it's like, wow. it's just like, it's like <laughs> I don't understand this at all. I'm so confused. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I just, I think, I think Lewis made his bed and now he's lying in it six feet underground <laughs> and it is kind of sad when you think about it because like the movie opens with red sort of blaming herself for her father's death when it's like that's not really on red man yeah. <laughs> when i'm just like i don't know i just kind of i was like left thinking i was like i wonder what happened to this family <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know like maybe it works out for Roz too like maybe she gets her own like 
gray straw haired stranger showing up at the door. Maybe. But I'm just like, is Eve is Eve running like a business like her aunt? Like, is that just a family thing now? I think so. (laughs) I I like to think she embraces the visions and, uh, but I don't know. I don't know. seems like there's not a lot of money in it. Like I, Honestly, the biggest question at this point is like, how the hell does his family even support themselves when like, uh, I, I guess the one guy's a painter, maybe he's bringing in some, <laughs> seems like a good painter. I don't know. But like, presumably Lewis was bringing in all the money in the family as the town doctor. So that's kind of a tricky situation. <laughs> yeah. It also seems like maybe it was like generational wealth there. True. True. It, it is like sort of implied that there's like generations of wealth at play. But, yeah. but then again, like Roz like screams at right at one point like who do you think pays for us to have a house with four bathrooms oh that's true so that's true like i don't i don't know but i also think she's maybe doing a little bit of like lying to herself there too it's like that's why he's always gone he's not fucking everybody (laughs) (laughs) to to afford the house it's like i think the house is paid for already it was like the one nice thing about living in the past was we didn't have to be eternal renters <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was like grandma's looking like she's never struggled in her life so i'm like this has been a generation thing i've been good <laughs> did you have any other big questions uh, i don't think so um yeah do you have a, a do you have a rating for the movie um what's your rating scale again what do we do i usually do out of 10 but i mean you also don't have to feel like you have to rate it or anything like this is a movie that ask a lot of interesting questions it's not really i only rate movies because it's established on this show at this point like some people really like having numbers assigned to movies so i just do it for that weird subset of my audience like i try to mostly say like whether i would recommend the movie or not and i certainly would recommend at least watching this once like this movie might not be for everybody but it's certainly unique and interesting and i'm I'm glad that you suggested it because I don't think I would have ever stumbled across it in my own time, to be honest with you. Okay. It's just something that doesn't play on anything. It doesn't pop up anywhere. It's cool that it's got a Criterion release, but like even when I was looking for where to watch it, there wasn't a lot of options. And I, to be honest with you, watched it not so legally. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, like it's probably like stars would be the only place you could stream it because I think it's Lionsgate. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I certainly would recommend it to you guys if you could find it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you don't have to feel like pressure to rate it or anything. I'll say if we're doing it out of 10, I'll, I'll give it a, I'll give it a nine out of 10. Ooh, that's pretty high score. Yeah. I think it's, I think it given 1997, the cheap budget first time film director yeah, and screenwriter, like, yeah, she, she knocked it out the park. So I'll just say, yeah, nine. Yeah. So I assume that, I mean, a, a nine is a, is a great, is a great score. Uh, and i'm i'm almost like obviously we've been very positive about the movie but i'm is there anything like specific that really puts it over the top for you that makes it like truly special it's just everything i've mentioned before the score is just great Mm -hmm. acting performances cinematography it's just it it is just a movie that is a movie as is it's not really going outside the box with the plot and that you know that there's like a how do I say like uh like how things are now where things like just drastically like overhaul in the third act. Sure, so, sure. But but I don't know. I just feel it's like really enjoyable and I just think it's something that mass audiences can enjoy. Do you um you know, a lot of times when I have a movie that I rate that highly, uh, it tends to be also there's some kind of layer of subjective 
there's something I connect with like on a deeper level. Is there anything like about the film that you, because it is a coming of age tale to a certain extent. Like, do you feel that kind of connection with this movie? Yeah. That's something we really didn't touch on, but a lot of the dynamics in the family, I can relate to in my own family. Mm-hmm. Just as far as, you know, I have a mom and sister when my sister's in her, was in her teens. Yeah. That dynamic of mom, daughter, <laughs> arguing, I can totally relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. I can also relate to being, you know, around 10, nine and basically interpreting things not really correctly. Like yeah, yeah. being like being older, you can look back and like, yeah, I remember that incorrectly and you can yeah. and rationalize that. And I think that is something that really has ended up with me. And it also, it, I think I also take the M I don't know if it's specifically this movie, but I'd kind of take that in with life. Um, so there's a, you know, the show boy meets world. Yeah. 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 They have a pot rewatch podcast. Oh, and cool. Some, and sometimes, I, of course, yeah, and, that's like the thing now, but that's fun when it's a show you really like. Yeah. So like, I'm, I'm working from home. So I listen to podcasts all day. But like sometimes they recount things and they're telling people things didn't happen a certain way, like adult at the time, they didn't have that way. And I'm just like, I don't know if I can believe you because <laughs> you were like 10 acting on a TV show. I don't yeah. know if you really know how adults were. That's funny. And, and, then, and then when you hear like, oh, well, these adults were like 20 years old and we were 10. I'm just like, I don't believe you. I I believe what the adults are saying. And, and it's like, and it's like that per that whole idea perspective resonates with me. No, that's such a funny connection. Cause that seems like such a weird comparison to make, but it totally makes sense where it's like, you're getting and and what a unique situation to be a 10 year old acting on what I assume at the time. I felt like that show was massive. So, right. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> probably, but it's like, you know, the Topanga actors, they yelled at me when I was, 10 and then someone else is like no we were just giving you notes that you needed to improve your performance that trauma and i'm just like uh i'm just like it, it's all perspective but i was like it might not be as extreme as you're making it <laughs> oh, that's interesting so i assume it's like the main three right yeah uh, or is it just is it it's just- um topanga sean and the brother and um the main guy the savage guy is like she refuses to do it really cool the guy played Corey, Corey yeah there. yeah he refuses to do it <laughs> that's so, so funny <laughs> and i don't blame him I'm just like it's 30 years later if he doesn't want to do it you got and they have trashed him i thought he was because he's running for like congress wasn't he didn't they isn't he the father in girl meets world like he's in this he's in the he was in that but girls meet world was done in like 2017 so it's been done for like quite oh a bit at this it point. wrapped i, I remember yeah. when they announced it i was like oh i might watch that and then i just never did but. I, wa- I watched one, i watched one episode and i was just like this is not for me because it's because it's, it's, it's about the girl so i'm like, I'm like That's, this is not for me uh is there uh is there anything you'd like to oh, i guess i'm skipping through the ratings um uh for me uh you said nine out of ten and that's where, that's where we saw i got completely lost in the sauce <laughs> there for a second ah uh, this is a tough one okay i would like to this is a movie i i would love to see like the criterion version on i'd be curious about the director's cut i'd like to watch it with subtitles because i think the dialogue of this movie is very poetic like uh, we i kind of skipped over it but moselle has like some really great mon meaty monologues in this movie and yeah. it's just like gorgeously worded again she's fucking everybody in this movie's doing a great job i think i'll even go to bat for megan good even though <laughs> we were saying she's maybe not uh holding it up to journey but like I think everyone's like nailing their part. It's really interesting. It's not, this movie's not like anything I've ever seen before. It's gorgeous. The score is really good. 
Uh, I just love uh, love a Bayou movie. I think there's some things here and there, like you guys heard me on the show a couple times, be like, I genuinely didn't understand what was happening, and <laughs> that 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 creates a couple hurdles for me to leap over in terms of just being genuinely confused and not in a good way. That's understandable. Uh, but I do really like, like you mentioned, like oh these movies these days that some stuff happens and then the third act and everything just goes chaotic. This movie feels like a slow build where from the moment the movie starts, you're seeing the relationship dynamics at play. Uh, Red is jealous of her siblings to a certain extent. We watched Lewis dance with Maddie at the party and sort of get a little suggestive with her. And we're already and the mom is watching. She's like kind of amused, but kind of like, Oh God, this isn't, <laughs> super great and it, and it's just, all these dominoes are set and the, it's just a movie where the tension just boils and boils and boils until it finally just burst out at different moments and it's just i think it's an incredibly well constructed movie i think the script is pretty immaculate so even though yes there's some confusion at times but i do think it's a really well done movie i think i'm man I think it's a movie that's going to linger for me and grow on me. And I think honestly, I was going to maybe give a seven, but I, I, I want to reward it one extra point and just for having the guts to be as ambiguous and ask such like complex questions. So I'm going to land it at an eight out of 10, I, yeah. I think. And that's a really good score for this show. If people yeah. have never listened before, yeah, uh, I have a grading curve, but it's just like, it's, it's a, it's fun. I don't have, there's not really a lot of flaws in the movie and the characters are just, interesting and not quite like anything i've ever seen before and just like i don't know if i'm going to be running back to like watch it super soon but i'll be excited like two or three years from now in a conversation be like you ever see this movie eve's bayou and someone will be like ah what what eve's it's like oh yeah it's like this weird like it's set in the you know what let's just watch it like i this is like the kind of movie i'd like to introduce to somebody and just like see what their reactions to it would be and then i could like sink back into it sort of like i don't know the perspective is so specific and yeah i think uh casey or cassie i, I really should have looked up how to pronounce her name lemons like she you're right she fucking for a directorial debut especially this is amazing yeah. like incredible and I, I love me a low budget movie too just yeah i i would love to see the play version of this movie like i i kept feeling like it was a play the whole yeah. time i'd love to put this on stage it would be pretty awesome if she did um yeah uh but yeah it's it's a really solid movie and i definitely recommend it and speaking of recommendations is there you, you mentioned the podcast you obviously like it that you've been listening to it but is there any movies shows uh you know music games anything you want to recommend it doesn't necessarily have to do with eve's bayou i have yeah. i have one movie that was lingering in the back of my mind that i'll mention but please uh by all means um this is not related but i saw the movie bottoms which is oh really how was it um kind of kind of good okay um, it's, 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 it's built as you know like a modern day super bad with women and guys. <laughs> yeah i wouldn't say it's quite that level that's kind of what it's kind of what book smart was built at too. yeah it, but it was very enjoyable uh i did laugh a lot in it and marshawn lynch is hilarious so <laughs> he, i'll say I, check that out yeah he's all over the dress like marshawn lynch is like a serious actor now this is fun uh <laughs> but he's so charismatic like he was on was like didn't he he was uh did you ever watch that show where it's like the Will Arnett detective show on Netflix where everybody no. is like, uh, has a script except one, they bring in a guest every episode to be his co-detective and they haven't been given a script and they just have to like 
react to the scenes as they're happening to them. <laughs> uh, it's a really funny show. I'm forgetting what it's called, but Marshawn Lynch is the guest in one of the episodes. And I remember being like, Marshawn Lynch, but then he's like so charismatic. I was like, holy shit, he's really good actually. Uh, but I need to check that out. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, it's crazy that I haven't seen Bottoms yet because the director, she made a movie called Shiva Baby, also starring Rachel Sennett uh before bottoms and i love shiva baby so and as i've said on the show a million times i love lgbtq stuff too so i'm just like lesbian fight club super bad <laughs> movie from a director who i love like i would like to see it uh is there anything else you want to recommend i know that was it for me um the movie that i kept thinking about during this movie and this is going to maybe seem like a weird connection but i kept thinking of the tree of life movie <laughs> while i was watching this i have not seen that uh, it's or this, heard of it it's this terrence malick movie and there's a lot of like i i don't love the movie because like a good like at least quarter of the film if not like a full third of it is dedicated to this sort of like present day sean penn reflecting upon his life type thing and there's like huge extended sequences of like shots of planets and stuff and it's like really esoteric Okay. But, but then like another two thirds of the movie is Sean Penn's past where it was him and his two brothers growing up in like the fifties or sixties. And it's just a slice of life family drama. It's like Jessica Chastain and like Brad Pitt are the husband and wife and the dynamic between the siblings and the rawness, like they, there's like this scene in the movie that like lives rent free in my head where, cause like, their father was a very buttoned up stoic man uh -huh. and he was not outward with his affection and he would, you know, beat them. It was the fifties. Uh, and like the, he has this really raw relationship with his father. There's like this scene where, and they love their mother. Like she's beautiful and soft and uh -huh. amazing and they hate their father. Uh, and there's a scene where he's like, as a kid and the kid actor is fucking great in this movie, but he's like, she doesn't love you. She loves me. He's like screaming at his father and the, and the dad's like, where the fuck is this coming from? Cause these kids have all these like weird pent up emotions and like, and they just do like, there's a scene where he like steals a dress, but then he feels so fucking guilty about it. Cause he like throws it in the river and he's like, basically like, I don't even know why I did that. And it was just like, it just like captures these snapshots of like being a child and such a, but it's very, there's it's very non-linear it jumps all over the place okay. and stuff and like in the way the kids are like there's a scene where he like really hurts his brother but then he feels super guilty about it and he's like you can hit me anywhere you want like the the sibling relationships reminded me a lot of like the relation like people are gonna think i'm insane comparing tree of life to eve's bayou but i think if you guys have seen both of those movies you kind of understand what i'm getting at i gotta um, check it out it's not my favorite thing i've ever seen again because i think the esoteric parts fucking drag there's literally just these and they're gorgeous shots of like the universe and like Terrence Malick's a very weird filmmaker. Uh, but I think it's worth the price of admission for how well he captures the, the slice of lifeness of being a kid, especially being like a young boy. Cause like the young boys are, there's a neighborhood of boys and they're just like getting into shit. And I just remember being a kid and like, none of us were even like bad kids, but we would kind of weirdly goad each other into doing bad shit sometimes. Like, why don't we throw a rock at this window? It's like, why? <laughs> why would we do that? But it's like, it's just weird. Just weird boy stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, but yeah, I, I, it's, it's a really interesting movie. Okay. Um, 
that's my recommendation. <laughs> I want to add that to the list. I gotta check it out. Anything you'd like to plug? Nothing. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for recommending this movie. Thank you for having me. It's been a fucking joy. Thanks for being so flexible. I was sick last week, so we had to push this episode. Uh, I'm glad we were able to get together and do it in studio. It's just so much more fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that'll do it for us, guys. I can't believe it, but we're done talking about Eve's Bayou. And uh, unfortunately, as I always say at the end of every episode, I'll catch you all on the flip-flop later. <laughs> Bye, guys. Don't let the sun catch you crying. Crying in my front door You done daddy dirty He sure don't want you no more Don't let the sun catch you lying Lying at my front door That is done turned salty And baby, you made him so sore You can cry, cry, cry Yes, baby, you can well Beat your head on the pavement Till a man comes and throws you in jail Don't let the sun catch you crying Crying at my front door You done your daddy did it I tell you he just don't want you no more